Hey, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 132. On three, two. One day, I shall come back. Oh, dear. We are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off of these. Adam and I having a good old crack up again. Uh, <laughs> Matt Smith's doctor and his drunken... Does get me every time. We always have a little chuckle at that bit. That's it. It is funny. Not, not not so much vigorous dancing this week. Like last week, you nearly choked on your water because we were really going for it. Yeah. But this week, this yeah. week we've toned it down in in uh, terms of health and safety. Yeah, yeah. It's dangerous, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Proper throwing some shapes around when you're trying to drink sh- water as well. I'm not sure we can do that to Capaldi's team. It doesn't quite have the same like this one. Me and you sometimes really rock out to it, don't we? But yeah, I don't know that we can do that to Capaldi. So we'll have to try it. We, yeah. We'll have to try it. I don't think it'll have the same. Doesn't have the same. same hasn't got that. Hasn't got that thumping beat to it, has it? Yeah. So, howdy do you fans? Hope you've had a cracking week, and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives. Uh, on today's show, got a bit more news, a couple of bits of merch, and on to the two Doctors. Jamie, <laughs> there you are, Jamie. He does say it, doesn't he? I was waiting for it. He does. He does say it, but not quite, not quite like he used to. So it was more of a sort of whimpering, Jamie. Yeah. Well, he was <laughs> knocking on at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. What have you been up to, mate? Anything tasty? Anything tasty? Um, <laughs> not a great deal, I'll be honest with you. I no, <laughs> not really. Um, I did get the War Doctor. Um, part four of the War Doctor audios through from Big Finish um, two days ago. Oh, cool. Oh, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but it's it, it's lovely. I mean, I opened it up and I love the artwork on that and just to see the Wall Doctor. But it's really weird because I can't wait to listen to it. Right. That's part of me that also knows it's going to be <laughs> emotional listening to it because obviously it's the last part and there won't be any more. And it's, yeah, it's just weird. So it's it's filled in that nice little gap that I had waiting for it. So I've got one to four now of the War Doctor box set. It's got the whole lot. Um, and it's I love it. I don't know about you, but I love it when you complete a set of something. It's like, right, I've got all four now. Got the lot, got Absolutely. the set. Yep. Um, but yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. I just keep looking at it thinking, oh, it's real mixed emotions. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I yeah, want to, yeah. can't wait to hear it, but also almost don't want to. It's really weird. But so yeah, so that arrived, which is looking lovely. Um, Doom Coalition Four actually just got released. I saw you published hmm. yesterday. Um, I haven't got the physical release of that, but I did pre-order it. So that assume uh, presumably is waiting for me in my account. Oh, the download. You got, uh, yeah, so yeah. get the download free with the CD. So even more audios to listen to. Um, do you know, it's weird. I nearly forgot actually to get it because 
I think you put on your post, make sure you get it now before the price goes up because the pre-order price is generally cheaper from, from Big Finish, isn't it? 20 quid for box sets. Yeah. Yep. And because they take the money straight away, I always sort of get to the end of the month and then look to see what's coming out next month. So when I get paid, I always go on the Big Finish website to what's new next month and see what I want to buy and pre-order it then. Do you oh, know what okay. I mean? I think so yeah. rather than than sort of pre-order everything in advance and spend loads of money and not get anything for a year. Mm-hmm. I do that. But um, I thought I'd done it, but I obviously hadn't because <laughs> uh, it got to the, the 1st of March. Um, and, you know, it tells you at the top of the website, you you know, you purchase this on. So I was looking through and I got to um, Doom Coalition 4 and I was thinking, why isn't it said, why doesn't it say you've pre-ordered this? I'm sure I have. And of course I had it. So I went back through and pre-ordered like all the stuff for, for March very quickly on the 1st of March. Because as soon as they're released, you have to pay postage. Mm-hmm. And then they do go up in price, don't they? I think, is it the following month or something? The pre-order price goes, um, I think, the following month or something like that. So I always try and get them before the price goes up. But yeah, I, I just you know what it's like. I was I was sure I'd already got them all pre-ordered ready, but yeah. you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I wish if Big Finish didn't take the money straight away, I'd pre-order a lot more. <laughs> I don't know about you, like because yeah, I mean they they put stuff up for you know that's even like not out till next year for pre-order. There's no way I'm going to pay for that now <laughs> if it's not out for another year. But if they didn't take the money straight away, I'd pre-order loads. I literally would just sit there and just pre-order the lot. Yeah, it's you a know, bit if like, they took um, it when it was dispatched. In other words, a bit like if you pre-order something from, you know, Amazon. So if they took the money when the when the product was dispatched, I'd I'd pre-order loads from them. But because they take the money straight away, I, I always hold off to the very last second. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's almost like, uh, it, well, it's a very common uh, sort of shopping pattern online, isn't it? With yeah. the majority of people that use Amazon and you know and the majority of other large online retailers, that's the thing. You order it and they don't charge you until the item sent, which is which is really how it how it should work. And it almost mm. feels like with Big Finish, it feels like they need the money yeah. now to actually get it made. It's almost like a constant Kickstarter thing where That's what I feel. You yeah. know, it's probably not like that at all, but that's what it feels like where they're taking the money up front because if they don't they haven't got enough money to make the the episode or the story, so it is weird. But uh, I, I'm like I, you; I would order more if if they charged you on dispatch. I, yeah. I think there is some truth in that, though. I think you're probably right. I think they look at you know the pre order prices as almost like funding. Like you know, we need the money now so we can you know produce the audios for you ready. It does, yeah. It does seem like there is a little bit to that. Um, I think, but you know. having said that, the old. Uh, Colin Baker last adventure is still 45 quid. <laughs> still. The CD. I know. So they must be making some money somewhere. Oh, what are you going to do if like cuz the the 10th Doctor Limited sold out, didn't it? Last yes. week or whatever. Yep. And what are you going to do if you suddenly see a big finish notification of the last adventure is now sold out. We'll be doing a vanilla release for 5 pounds less. Oh. <laughs> In a standard old bog standard box yeah. with a photocopied cover. Yeah. <laughs> no booklet. Oh, I don't know, mate. Don't say that. You're going to jinx <laughs> what it. What are you going to do? I don't know. I mean, I'm oh, waiting for it. No, to, I'm, won't. I mean, I'm I'm happy to pay for it, which is obvious anyway. Of course, I'd pay for it. <laughs> what I mean is I'm happy to pay for because um, based on our discussion last week where I said that <laughs> I was going to ditch physical releases and move yeah. more towards 
download only. I would still buy that because it is in the like the book format. Yeah, especially you know, it looks cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm happy to pay for that, but I'm not. I'm just not going to pay nearly fifty pounds for a, a release that's a year and a half old. Yeah, it hasn't I get dropped you. at all. No, it hasn't. No, yeah. maybe that is that. Maybe that means it is selling though. That's the only problem because it's a bit like the prisoner one. I've been waiting ages for them to release that prisoner because it's the same thing. It's in that book format. It looks lovely, but I'm not paying fifty quid or whatever it is for. I'm just not paying that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, it hasn't dropped, and I keep thinking maybe it's it's selling well enough that they don't need it, which uh, is a shame. Yeah. You know? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's from their point of view, it's probably cool. You know, if they're going to still sell them at that price, then as a business owner, then you're mm. like, great. If there's people are still buying them at that price, then great. We'll still sell it at that price because we're making money. But it just feels like, you know, as time goes on and on and on, you feel like, well, you know, this has been out for quite a long time now. Mm. You know, you might want to think about dropping it at some point. I would. Anyway. It's a bit like that. Yeah. It's a bit actually. Yeah. Because it's a bit like their, um, because they deleted the first 50 CDs in the monthly range. That's right. But, you, yeah. but, but the 50, I think I'm right in saying this, 50 onwards, or is it 100 onwards? I forget now. I think it's 50 onwards. 50, yeah. Yeah, they're all still full price. So you're talking about audios that are, uh, um, how long have Big, Big Finish been going? Sort of since Big Finish started, <laughs> these CDs Crikey. have been out. Yeah, yeah, if so, you're, talk, if yeah. you're talking like the first, because that's what they used to do, the monthly range is how they started, wasn't it, with Doctor Who? That's right. And then yeah. it branched off of all the other stuff that we get nowadays. But So you're talking about um, CDs that are, what, 15 years old or maybe more? It must uh, be that. Yeah. I'm trying, I don't know when Big yeah. Finish started, but I'm trying to think when I first started buying them. So, yeah, and they're still... Full price, and you're thinking, come on, guys. You know, I, I think one day they'll, I know they'll probably want to get rid of those stock of those at some point, like just like they did with the first 50. I'm sure at some point they'll just reduce them, clear the stock, and it'll be download only, just like they did before with the first 50. So, yeah, but it does seem, even if they were dropped them down to 9.99, I think people would be like, oh, okay, that's that's not too bad for a CD, 9.99, but not 14.99 plus postage for for a CD that's 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does seem a little bit... It's tricky, though, because, we, you know, like we said in, in the past, mm. Big Finish, they... Although they're very popular amongst Doctor Who fans and some other franchises, they do still have to pay people and they have yes. to spend the money to get the actors in to do the stories and the production and all that stuff. Mm. And there's a physical studio to maintain and, and all that stuff. So... On one hand, we we totally get it. You know, we're yeah. not just like we're not pioneers. You know, bar yeah. humbug towards the whole thing. But yeah, and you no. know, let's not forget they do these flash sales now and then, and they do. Yeah, they do a lot of sales. Stuff. To be fair to them, actually, they do do a lot. Of Talking of which, we both picked up the series one of Jago and Lightfoot in their flash yeah. sale last week, didn't we? Yeah, um, which was nice because we've been banging on about that for ages. <laughs> so it's really nice to finally get that for a. A very good price. I think it was six pounds plus two pound postage or something. It worked out about eight pound fifty, didn't it? But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy with that. Very happy. It hasn't arrived yet, but I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, because uh, I was thinking it could, we've said a couple of times about oh, it'd be really cool to get into the Jago and Lightfoot stuff. And um, uh, one of our Twitter followers, a guy that we follow as well, his name's Ben Lett. You know the host, yeah, productions? The host productions. Yeah, yeah. He put some. He put a review on. I think of the latest Jago and Lightfoot. And uh, that got me thinking again, like, oh, I would really, I really want to get into 
the the uh, the Jago and Lightfoot stuff. So it came at a perfect time. Mm. So I jumped on there. I mean, six pounds. You can't really, you can't go wrong. Can't go for wrong. A complete no. box set. That's it. Uh, so yeah, mine hasn't arrived either. But uh, yes, I mean that was back in 2010, the first series of Jago and Lightfoot. Mm. So when they do flash sales like that, I mean, also you've got to be quick because they literally are flash sales sometimes. It's like for 24 hours. Yeah. You get this uh, set that's normally, I mean, how much is it normally? It's. Uh, I think the first series is normally 20 quid. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, it's the others that are more expensive. I think the other sets are, are they 40 or 35 or they're more expensive than the rest. But I think series one has been 20 quid for quite a long time. Mm. Yeah. Um, but they dropped it to six. Yeah, it was just a flash 24-hour sale, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite. I quite like that, actually. Quite quite like it when they do that. To be fair to them, they do do quite a lot of sales, you know, having said that about the price. Um, you're right. I've got a theory, actually, because they had that, the 10th Doctor Limited Edition that's just sold out. Um, I mean, I, I, I thought that might sell, sell out a lot quicker than it did, actually. I was surprised that they still had stock. But I have a theory that, um, you know, they were at Gallifrey 1, the yes. week before yep. mm-hmm. it sold out, <laughs> the big finish team. This is, I have a feeling they might have just taken all the, the remaining stock of it over to Gallifrey One and, and flogged them over flogged there. <laughs> Come and get your 10th Doctor Limited Edition. <laughs> yeah, that's what I reckon. I think because it's, I think it's a coincidence they went over to that big convention and came back and they suddenly sold out of it. So that's what I reckon. Yeah, no region. got shot of them over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the box sets normally, yeah, 35 quid. Yeah. So it's good. Six pounds. That's awesome. Not bad at all. Um, because uh, I know we've got quite a lot to go through today, I must just say to you, because I haven't done anything else, so that's me done. Yeah. But you, you, sir, mm. have been a very busy bee, haven't you? Mm. And I want to hear all yep. about Cardiff, which is why I'm moving off of the big finish subjects. I want to hear all about Cardiff, mate. All How about was Cardiff. it? So Come Cardiff on. was amazing as always. I love going yeah. to Cardiff. Yeah. It's really cool. And um, I didn't get to spend the whole day or the whole weekend there because we were there. I was only doing the experience sort of by proxy because we were there for um, uh, a competitive run. Uh, so the missus was running a, a 10K St. David's Day run. I was meant to do the 5K because I'm injured at the moment. My, I couldn't do that. So it was literally just a Doctor Who weekend uh, pretty much for me uh, on the Saturday. And I tell you what, mate, it really is heart-wrenching believing the experience mm. um knowing that that could be i mean I'm, i i said to uh to my wife and to a couple of people that were there that we were chatting to that i would really try and get over there at least once more before the end of the summer and it's gone but because uh, c- that was what i was i had mixed emotions there because i must have spent about two and a half three hours there and uh oh crikey it was just mixed emotions because i, I was constantly feeling this is amazing. This is mm. so cool because they've added so many things there since I was last there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's over a year ago that I was last there, and they've added lots of stuff from Series Eight, Series Nine, uh, the Fourth Doctor's console, which they've redone, which looks mm. beautiful. Loads of cool stuff, and it was just amazing. But on the same hand, I was thinking, but it's going. Yeah, you know, it's all going to go. You know, it's going to go back into storage somewhere, isn't it? That's what worries me. They've done all Probably. this lovely restoration, and then it's just going to be shoved back in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's until that's, until it gets a new home. Exactly, mate. That's what I was thinking. But I try not to let that sort of spoil the my time while I was there. But I, it was on my mind a lot while I was going yeah. around, and I managed to take loads of photos. I took a decent camera, and I'll get them all uploaded 
or some of them to the Facebook page at some point soon. Yeah, and I saw you put some on Instagram because I saw Morbius, who yes, looked great. He wasn't Morbius. there when I was there before, old Morbius. Yeah. Um, and what else you put? Some Cybermen, they were obviously there. I didn't see the fourth Doctor's console. I'm assuming you've got 100 pictures of that somewhere and you're going to yes. pick the best one because yeah, I was waiting for it. <laughs> I was like, come on, Gary, where's that fourth Doctor console I want to see because that wasn't there when I went. Um, so yeah, I'm assuming you've got some good ones of I that. Have. Yes, cool. I, I think I was, I was just too occupied with taking loads of good photos on my other camera. I just forgot to yeah. take a couple on the phone. But uh, yeah, that was good. The um, the Clara Tardis, you know, that Riggsy paints up. Yeah, yeah. That looks so good up up close. It does. I, I have been lucky yeah. enough to see that. Yeah, it's really nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, the the mummy uh, costume from the Mummy on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. That looks really good up close. Did uh, I see Sutek? Did you see was Sutek there, or did I imagine that? Because he wasn't there when I went. No, there's no Sutek. No Sutek. Oh, I must have no. ma- imagined that then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had a little sill though. Sill. <laughs> oh, he wasn't there when I was there. Yeah, a little <laughs> little mini version. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's loads of cool stuff there, and I met a couple of people that was that were going on the same day. So Dean Jones and Adam the Hoovian, uh, those guys were there, and uh, it was really cool. Just sort of having some some laughs with those guys because they do the interactive tour bit at the beginning don't they where you're kind of trapped in the TARDIS and you have to mm-hmm. the doctor's helping you escape and you go through the console and it's all moving around and you go through the Dalek room and they come to life and uh you go through the weeping angel forest and oh, that's yeah, quite cool yeah. so you have to cut you have to sort of look out for the time crystals so it, it's it's quite corny but it's uh it's a good laugh so we were having a good laugh there Adam posted a great picture, actually, of, um, uh, I would call it the, the McCoy TARDIS. Uh, it's probably it's probably the same TARDIS painted, but it's the classic series TARDIS, let's put right. it that way. Yeah. And he's like, see if you can spot the person photobombing in this picture. And there's you, oh, yeah. like tiny in the background behind it, doing like with your arms out. It's a great picture, that is. Yeah, I noticed um, he was taken. So yeah. I thought, yeah, I'll have that. I'll have one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great picture. And it was quite, does, sorry, yeah, it was quite busy as well which is good. Oh, was it? Oh, good. Yeah. So the group that we were in, I think it was, must've been sold out because it was packed as we were going through the interactive bit. Mm. And uh, I had a very quick chat with one of the girls that was working um, when we collected our tickets. And I said, so do you guys know anything about the closure? Do you know a bit more about what's going on? And she's like, we haven't been told anything in terms of exactly when or really what's happening. We just know that same as you, that, that, the uh, lease is not being renewed so yeah we're assuming that as we get through summer it's going to be our last sort of summer work in here mm. i i do you know I'd, I'd love to get there before they close i just know how quickly time goes and i i've just got a dreadful feeling i'm not going to make it before it shuts but i'm i, I mean i went once and I, I loved it so i'll always have that yeah i can't take that away but um but yeah, I just I'm looking forward to seeing your photos. Let's put it that way, because I know that tet traps are there. Yeah, and, and I yeah. love the tet traps, and they weren't there when I went. Um, so I hope you've got a good tet trap picture. I have. Paul. Yes. Yeah. 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 I tried to take uh, plenty of pics of the new stuff that I hadn't seen yeah. before, so they'll they'll all be there. I'll put them on our 
our Flickr page and Facebook and so on. So mm. I'll let you guys know when they're on there. Um, and then a good old uh, rummage around the shop. You know, we like oh, a good shop. shop. Amazing. Oh, no, I could have given you a shopping list. Oh, mate. I just realised yeah. because there's a couple of exclusives down there. There is. Um, yep. Oh, because, of course, in my head, I was thinking I'll go, but I probably won't. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, tough. well, that saved you a few pennies anyway, because <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have probably written you a cheque and signed it. You know, somebody else, Norma Lamont or something. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a check, Gary. Thanks was, for getting it. They did have a load of stuff reduced, which is good. Um, I'm not sure if that's due to clearing stock because they're closing or if it's, they're just having a reduction. But uh, oh, right. I bagged so, a, a, a few things there. What did you good. get? Uh, so I got a really cool framed picture uh, of the, tar- the TARDIS, which is made up of like sort of polygon shapes and it's kind of exploding um, out. Oh, yeah. Uh, to one side. That looks really cool. So that's going to go up on the wall soon. A um, couple of T-shirts, um, a new sweatshirt, like Gallifrey University sweatshirt, which I've wanted for a while. Uh, coaster, official companion. Oh, that's nice. Um, a couple of DVDs. Um, <laughs> Gary's just showed me the coaster, by the way, just in case you're oh, thinking yeah. of saying, oh, that's nice. Oh. He's, he's actually showing me the, the things over Skype. So, yeah, it does look well nice. Yeah, and uh, something else as well. Can't remember. Yeah, something else. Oh, the um, I finally picked up the the Titan TARDIS. It's got a bad wolf spray. Oh, on bad it. wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, it looks nice as well. Yeah, so I bagged a few uh, a few bits of merch, which is good. Very nice. But overall, it was a great experience. And like I said, when we were all so we all left at the same time. So me and my wife, and then uh, Dean and uh, Adam, we, we we went to the cafe and had a cup of tea afterwards, and we were properly geeking out about. Um, various uh, aspects of who and then when we left um, the three of us so not my wife wasn't really you know feeling it but um, the three of us literally it's quite spooky we all turned around at the same time and we were like it's just this moment it was like yeah see you later it's been great I don't know if mm. we're going to see you again but <laughs> well, it's been great and then we sort of just scuffled off and like <laughs> yeah. it was it was emotion it was a bit emotion but uh it's so sad it's going because it's a fab place. And I think if I do get to go again, I'll spend a lot longer there and really yeah. soak it all in before it does go. But it's sad that it's going. Is it, I gotta say, I mean, I know you said you're there for two or three hours, which sounds a long time, but um, I think anyone that's been there will agree. You could easily spend that just on one level. Oh, yeah. It's just, yep. it's, you yep. could, yeah. I mean, I could spend the entire day or possibly even the weekend in there. It's, it's, it is just the best place to, uh, and it was loads of, uh, there was a, a a bunch of guys, like three or four guys, who were really, really chatting who in depth about a lot of the costumes and so on. Mm. And uh, I got uh, an Instagram uh, follow, and it was like, oh, we saw you at Experience, um, and we saw you taking loads of pics. Wasn't it amazing? So you just have people that it just sparks conversation and and all that stuff. So yeah, yes, I I really liked it there. Did you, um, I know you were really pushed for time. So did you get to go to like Eddie's diner or anything like that? Or did you have to just no, I head to, straight off? Yeah, we had to scarf because we had uh, a dinner reservation. But uh, I did manage to pop into Cardiff uh, on Sunday morning quickly and visit Forbidden oh, right. Planet International. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, just like ForbiddenPlanet.com, just like their stores, the Doctor Who merch was very disappointing in there. Nothing. Nothing at all. And it's, it's upstairs, sort of buried away in the corner. There's a, and there was a cabinet up there with a couple of figures in and just collecting dust and yeah. <laughs> not much going on, which I, I was really surprised, actually. I thought, you know, Forbidden Planet in the middle of Cardiff, 
you know, the home of Doctor Who. Would have thought they would have been really hooed out, and but no, it was nothing. Nothing there. What about um the Comic Con? Uh, did you not get to go to that either? Because that was on this week, uh, last weekend as well, wasn't New. it? So you didn't get to go to that. Yeah. No. no. I saw Dean, who you met up with. I know Dean Jones um, went. Oh, yeah. Uh, went, I saw him yeah. post some pictures and stuff. So, yes, all look very good. Yes. Other than that, not much else, mate. I did a live stream last night. Yes. Yeah. I could, wasn't there live, but I did watch a bit this morning. So yeah. I, I sort of tuned in. Uh, to see what was going on. Yeah, what was it you watched? Um, Partners in Crime. Partners in Crime. Yeah. From Series 4. So that was good fun. I really enjoy doing those. It's good to hang out with. I was wondering, where, you, I was wondering where your wife was because you said, you said she picked it. You was like... Yes. And I was like, ah. So I was thinking, is she next to you on the sofa being really <laughs> quiet? I was thinking, no, probably not. No. <laughs> so, well, yeah, so she picked it, but you, you watched it on your own. Yeah, because she, she had a work thing. Last oh, night, so she was out with work so it was just on her way out she was like what are you going to watch then on your live stream i said oh, i don't know i'm having a think and she was like ooh, 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 because she really likes that one she's like ooh, ooh. partners in crime do that one like, all right then yeah so, i haven't watched that for ages that, that one in fact i may not have watched it since it went out it's the adipose isn't it yes adipose guys yeah yeah, yeah. can't remember a lot about it apart from them I just I could, all i can think of is them walking down the street that's about the that's the bit that sticks in my mind just loads of them yeah yeah. 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 They uh, there's a lot of Adipose merch out there considering they were only in that one episode, isn't there? There's like, you know, plushes and stress adiposes and key rings. There's loads of stuff. Uh Titans. Yeah. They're quite popular. There's even a Funko Pop, isn't there? there? Is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that last night. Somebody said that there's been there's loads of merch of these things. And I said, Yeah, it must be the cute factor. It must be you know, they must just be playing on the uh on the cuteness. Yeah, I mean, they're very simple in design, aren't they? Very simple. It's just a yeah. white blob with a little tooth. Like <laughs> one one, one sharp tooth. That's it, isn't it? Very simple. But mm. yeah, something about them is is good. I just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that's our last week in Who. Yeah, yeah. Shall we land it and do some news? Yeah, that's it. Let's get that <laughs> TARDIS landed. First up today, so our North American friends uh, seem to like these cinema uh, premieres and so on because they're doing another one mm. for the uh, opener of Series 10. And we, we always report on these. So they did it for uh, Series 9 opener. They did it for Series 8. They did it for something else as well. Might have been one of the Crimbo specials. can't remember. But yeah, so this uh, company out, out in the US called Fathom Events, they really like doing these, and they're doing it, like I said, for Series 10 on the 17th and the 19th of April. And as always, you need to head over to the website uh, to bag your tickets, uh, and they go on sale actually today. If you're listening to this on Friday the 10th, that's when they go on sale. There's no pricing or anything yet, um, but uh, yes, the 17th and the 19th. And... Uh, I'm not sure what cinemas it is, but it just says in theatres. So I'm guessing that it's just a bunch of, like before, it's just a whole bunch of cinemas that that are okay to show it. But 
How mm. do you feel about the whole Doctor Who in the cinema thing? Because it does seem to be, especially in the US, and I think they do it yeah. down under as well. There seems to be a a, a call in for it there. Um, we only yeah. have it like, you know, when when the moth feels like it here. But <laughs> what do you reckon to Who in the cinema? Yeah, I, I mean, I I love going to see an episode of Doctor Who in cinema. I think the last one I went to was Deep Breath. Um, as, actually, bizarrely, the first time I met Adam the Whovian, uh for the first time. Uh, was at the premiere for that and it is is great to see doctor on the big screen i mean am i right in thinking did you go and see the 50th the day of the doctor at the cinema no all oh, right i, I don't know why i thought you did no. okay no. i thought you did for some reason because that's the one i would have loved to have gone to because i think you because you know you're in there you know that everybody in there pretty much is a doctor who fan because you know it's not like a film where people might just think oh i'll give it a go and see what this film's like 99 percent of the people who are going to be in that room with you are going to be fellow geeky doctor who fans so there is that great atmosphere normally of um everybody ooing and ah in and <gasps> you know at the same time of all the little surprises if there are any these days it seems to be getting harder and harder to to keep anything under wraps um mm-hmm. but yeah i i quite like doctor who being in the cinema like you said it does seem to be happening more abroad than here now um i think yeah i think the last one might have been deep breath mightn't it i can't think if we've had anything since it must then. have been yeah. yeah yeah um and we've had sherlock going to cinema stuff like that so yeah it's great to see it on the big screen um and this is going to be a couple of days before it actually airs on tv as well so there's always that chance that things are going to be spilt out you know after people have seen it uh, in terms of spoilers um, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I must admit, I'm not too bothered actually. I don't really mind spoilers, but I know a lot of people don't and I totally get that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it's good. I'm, I'm wondering actually, because there's a thing at the BFI IMAX that, that I'm going to in April might be the same time as this actually. So it's a couple of days before or the weekend before it airs on TV over here. Right. And they've been really sketchy about what it is. They're basically just saying it's sort of a bit of a chat um, few preview clips, but they haven't sort of specified. It's all a bit mysterious. Um, but obviously, me and a lot of other people, Adam the Whovian's going, we've all bought tickets just in the hope that it's the premiere of the first episode, especially me, because I'm going to be away that weekend. I'm really hoping mm. it's the premiere of the first episode. And so, yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm, quite, I'm quite for it, I think, cinema release, if they do well. I think somebody did tell us that the last one, was it Power of the Daleks? Do you remember one of our listeners said that they were like the only ones in there or something? And so oh, yeah, I was thinking, oh, yeah. maybe they don't do very well. Mm. I can't think who that was. Um, but one of our listeners said, yeah, they went to Power of the Daleks premiere in, in America um, and it was practically empty. So I don't know how well these do, but yeah. yeah. But I'm for it. Would you go, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you would, if you would You'd be up for going to see this on the big screen, would you? Uh, yes, I think so. Would you like to be at home, shut the doors, don't let anyone speak? <laughs> uh, no, I'd like to, to see it in the cinema for the social aspect, I guess. Yeah. You know, when you get a, a bunch of Who fans together, it's always mm. good atmosphere. So, yeah, I, I'd do that. Mm. Yes. Yeah, give it a watch. Yeah. Right. Um, so, in other news, and talking of spoilers, I, I mean... I'm going to be a little bit careful here. I'm going to read the news article and then I'm going to ask Gary how much we should say after this because there's basically the Mondas Cybermen are returning for the final of uh, Series 10. So I think we all know that Peter Capaldi has wanted this for a long time. Um, Suddenly this this promo picture appeared out of nowhere, which again, I really liked. A bit like that trailer we got the other week. Uh, This just 
BBC just subtly put that out there, and it's a picture of Peter Capaldi um, in what looks like a school corridor to me. I'm really hoping that isn't the class school <laughs> corridor. Really hoping it's not. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, Peter Capaldi, and he's uh, doing his brilliant pose that he does with arms sprayed out everywhere, and mm-hmm. and then we've got the Mondasian Cybermen uh, coming at him from all angles. Um, I must admit, I, I first saw that this suddenly popped up on on Twitter the other day. Uh, somebody retweeted it. My first initial thoughts was that it was fake. I immediately assumed it was fake, right. um, and went straight onto the the mm-hmm. BBC uh, Twitter account to see if it was real, and was just like shocked that it was. I mean, in all sorts of ways. So, a, I was absolutely ecstatic personally. I was like, oh my god, it's actually real. This is fantastic. You know, the Mondasian side man are back. This is amazing. But then there was part of me that looked at the photo and thought, oh, but they, they look a bit rubbish. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the photo. I'm, I'm hoping they look a lot better on screen. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't look they don't look awful. There's just something about them isn't quite right. I don't know if you agree with me, Gary. Uh, from this photo, anyway, I can only judge them from this promo image that we've got. Um, I don't know if it's the lighting or something that they don't quite look right to me. They, I mean, they've, I'll give them this. They've kept them pretty much to the original design and they've tweaked a few bits. Like for some reason, they've now got a massive forehead um, and they've slightly tweaked the uh, the bars at the side. So they don't look rubbish. That's probably too harsh, but they just, I don't know. There's something not quite right, I don't think, about the look of them. But I think on screen, they might look fantastic, hopefully. I think it might just be this this photo. I think what yeah, I think what we've got going on here is a is a bit of Darth Vader syndrome. Ah, ah, I know, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Darth Vader was when his especially his helmet and mask and stuff was created for A New Hope, mm. uh, they changed it, uh, especially for Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, and then Rogue One, and people were saying he doesn't look right. He doesn't look, yeah. he, you know, he, it, there's just something about it. He doesn't look right. And I think what it was, the same with these original Cybermen back in the day. I mean, this is what, crikey, 40-odd, nearly 50 years back mm-hmm. or 30 years back, whatever. And uh, they were just created by a guy <laughs> or a couple of guys in a in a little BBC studio somewhere, mm-hmm. and they just threw it together. So when we come to redo them, for this new series, they've obviously been done. They've been remade. So when you're remaking something, you are going to make sure that everything is symmetrical and, you know, fits together nicely and stuff like that. So that's probably why you you feel like they don't look right or something isn't right because they've based it on the original design, but they've built it with like modern stuff. So it looks, mm. you know, it, it it's like almost, uh, it's like pseudo original Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. Yeah, I don't know. They they do look good, and I just think they're gonna. I think they're gonna look fantastic on screen. I think if they're shot right, these could look absolutely amazing because the faces and that are very simple and they look scary, just like they did back in the day. Um, I think we're all a little bit disappointed that they're wearing gloves and and are not got the real hands um, like the originals. But but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's great news. I'm really really thrilled. Um, that, that we're going to get to see Capaldi's Doctor against them, I think is is brilliant. Uh, um, yeah, it's great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, because we're not really fans of the 
the current Cybermen design, are we? It's a bit Iron Not Man, at all. A bit comic, Not at a bit all. too comic booky. So it's a welcome thing, especially for the finale as well. Seeing as Capaldi always wanted these, mm. uh, these style of Cybermen in the show, it's great that he's going to go out against the foes. That you know, I th- did he go on record somewhere saying that these were his favourite monsters or whatever from who? Oh, I just remember him and I think it was at the Deep Breath premiere actually. Him and Stephen Moffat having a bit of a I would I wouldn't say that it wasn't an argument because voices weren't raised. But Peter was very adamant that you know that the, the Mondas side man should be back, and the Moffat kind of was like, well, "What's wrong with the new ones?" He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, but you're not getting it. Uh, you, you know, you're not getting it, Stephen. We want the you know." So there was a bit of a thing there where Capaldi, the fanboy in Capaldi, was coming out, and everybody was agreeing with him, and Peter Moffat was just a bit like. Well, I don't get it. What, what side man's a side man, isn't it? This sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, he's what to do this for quite a while, I think. Yeah. yeah. I th- I th- there is an interview somewhere where he says that the, the, is this the right word for them as well? The Mondasian, the Mondas side. I know they're Mondas. Yeah. Mondasian. Mondas. It just seems strange to call them that, but, uh, mm. but he, I think he, he has said that there is, is fave looking monster slash villain from who. Mm. So it's great that he gets to, to end the series his penultimate outing if you like before his regeneration at christmas uh, yeah. facing these guys so it's good and i for one i'm thrilled yeah. that these guys are back it is a it is a cool thing we just hope that the story backs up their their purpose for being there well do you know what i'm just hoping that they're not just a cameo as well oh, i hope no. it's not just <laughs> thrown in there because do you remember when um in Death in Heaven, when there was a picture leaked of the Cybermen head on the floor, the old classic Cybermen head on the floor in yeah, front of Missy. Yeah. And we were like, oh, and it was literally on screen for less than a second. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, well, that was the thing. And then I think of Asylum of the Daleks when we were promised every Dalek in the we'd ever seen. And they were all on screen for about a second as well. And I just I hope I hope it's not going to be that. I hope it's because. This is what I was going to say. I, I'm not going to say too much because there is an awful lot of spoilers going around on Twitter at the minute because they were filming on the streets the other night. Um, and I think any of you listening who don't mind spoilers will know what I'm saying. So I'm not going to say what it was. You'll al- you'll already know what I'm talking about, what we've seen on the streets of Cardiff mm-hmm. to do with this episode. Um, so I'm not going to say because those of you who don't want to know or haven't seen it, I won't ruin it. But it does lead me to think, Oh, I hope they're not just in there for a little bit of fan service at the start of the episode or the end or whatever, because I'd like to see a full on episode with these guys, you know, with the doctor really battling them and, and then all the other stuff we know, because yeah. we know that misses in the final again, right? That's common knowledge. So yeah. that's not spoiler. That's out there. I just keep thinking back to death in heaven and dark water of her with her cyber race. And I'm thinking, well, if she's going to be in this with the Mondasian Cybermen as well, I just start to worry a little bit because of, of Moffat, you yep. know. But um, yep. yeah, I like you. I'm 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 thrilled and really excited to see you know to see them on the screen. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and it yeah it doesn't look like a small cameo because it looks like the not. Doctor's about to to throw down with these guys. So yeah, and I and I just really I think oh no I thought that was a cameraman in the background. I was going to say this photo it's it's unusual for a promo image. It sort of looks like someone's taking it sort of off the set. Um, which I quite like in a way, actually. It almost seems like a behind-the-scenes shot rather than an actual posed yes. promo. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. Look forward to it anyway. So that'll be Series 10 finale um, leading up to uh, Capaldi's exit at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So we're just over a month away from Series 10, and that starts on the 15th of April. Yeah. So uh, 
Yes, exciting times. And that's going to do for news. Got one bit of merch, so let's get Mr. Dalek in. Let's see mm-hmm. what he's saying. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. So our shelves like a good book. Oh, we love books. Well, our shelves like them. Mm. <laughs> and we like looking at them. Doctor yeah, especially if they've got nice covers. <laughs> the library. The Doctor Who like Come this way. Into the library. <laughs> so have you read all of these? Nope. I've probably, read, nice. yeah, yeah, I've probably read about 25% of what's on there. Mm. But they look nice. Anyway, three new books are en route, available to pre-order, featuring Capaldi's Doctor. Yeah. And uh, they are thus. Uh, they're all out on the same date, 20th of April. Uh, first one is called Diamond Dogs Ooh. by Mike Tucker. Uh, Plague City by Jonathan Morris. And The Shining Man by Kevin Scott. Uh, and these are in the similar ilk that we would have had if you've seen the early Capaldi books that came out. Uh, I think you you grabbed them, mate. There was a, a red-covered one. It was a big, deep red background with Capaldi on the front. What was that called? Blood Tides? No. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. What was it called? I, th- I think you picked them I up. Know. There was a couple. I did, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so these are available to pre-order from Amazon for six ninety nine at the moment. No. Uh, so about the end of next month and the covers are very interesting to me because uh, Capaldi's hair is mental mm-hmm. yeah I like it and I'm not sure if that's an indication of what his hair is going to be like for series 10 etc no. um, but his hair is huge and it looks awesome it does yeah, yeah. especially for the shining man uh, yeah it just looks yeah big big and mm-hmm. crazy um uh, almost, uh, it's like a cross between Pertwee and Tom Baker's hair. It's like the colour of Pertwee. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like the craziness sometimes of Tom Baker's hair. So that's cool. So um, I didn't pick up the previous books in Capaldi's, uh, uh, the, the authors that wrote for his Doctor outside of the series. But uh, these are all featuring um, Bill, by the way, and uh, Plague City is uh, featuring Nardole as well. Mm. So, yes. Don't know if you're going to pick these up, mate. I might get one of them possibly i'm gonna guess which one you're gonna get the shining man aren't you i'm not sure i think plague city looks quite cool but yeah the shining man really also. yeah actually that would have been the uh, out of the three i was gonna say i would have guessed diamond dogs next um only because i think the, i do like the covers on these um but apart from plague city i think it looks a bit boring but yeah doctor looks great on it that claw holding the tardis that's on diamond dogs isn't that from the 50th episode isn't that the tardis being lifted into trafalgar square maybe that they've taken the image and just yep doctored it but yeah i think the covers look really good i think capaldi looks um absolutely fantastic especially on the diamond dogs cover mm. with his hair all over the place uh, looks really good yeah i'll be getting them mate i hope they're in those small hardcover just like the other ones that they've done before so i think right from the beginning with the ninth doctor they've always done this sort of small hardcover format um Right That's up right. until the 12th yeah. Doctor was. I'm hoping they're the same because I really like those, where the cover's actually printed on the, the hardcover itself, if you know what I mean. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, I'll be getting them and they'll be going on the shelf and they'll probably not be read just like the other 12 Doctor books have got. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll be getting them. Yeah, and uh, the last few books that have been out in the Doctor Who range, we've got them through 
uh, from BBC Books uh, to review. So if we get these through, um, we might chuck them out as a giveaway or something. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, yeah. But one last thing I wanted to mention is that the strap lines are very rubbish. Oh, are they? Yeah. So for Diamond Dogs, it says, an unknown life form, a deadly saboteur. Mm. Uh, yep. Uh, for Plague City, it is fear is contagious. Mm. Uh-huh. And for The Shining Man, fear the light. Fear the light? Mm. Light! Mm. <laughs> is that the shadow kin coming back not lights not a light bulb please <laughs> um so yeah the strap lines are absolutely atrocious but we'll we'll see what the stories are like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. if nothing else they've got nice covers well sometimes that's all it needs yeah exactly let's go on the shelf anyway that's news and merch adam what's our review story this week hit me this week, it's the Blake 7 episode. Oh, no, it's not. It's uh, it's the uh, Patrick Troughton episode. Oh, no, it's not. It's the Sixth Doctor episode, The Two Doctors. I am Group Marshal Stike, commander of the Ninth Sontaran Battle Group. Long way from the war, aren't you, Stike? Going badly, is it? On the contrary. And thanks to the information you've just given me, I shall be back in time for the crucial battle. My money is still on the Rutans. Into the machine. Time, Lord. Why? Oh, of course. You don't really expect me to give the Sontarans the power of unlimited time travel, do you? Oh, do it. Uh, or your comrade dies. Uh, Get in! Doctor. Jamie. There you are, Jamie. Come a long way for you. Naturally. Don't expect any thanks. Cheeky Troughton. <laughs> I wish they'd refilmed that snap a bit. They're so out of key. so out of time with it. Snap, snap. Yeah, that's like the one scene in all of Classic Who that needed a reshoot. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't bother. Because mind you, I suppose yeah. they continue the whole scene on. I was thinking the other day, oh, they could have done, but they've had to have done it all again. Yeah. It's like it's just the irony of you know, the, the the theory of saying snap at the same time. They just don't say at the same time. It's like, no. uh, uh, anyways, The Two Doctors uh, was out in 1985, February oh. to March. Uh, it was written by Robert Holmes and directed by Peter Moffat. No relation to Stephen Moffat. No, not that we know of. Yeah. Uh, starring Nicola Bryant and Fraser Hines mm. alongside... Patrick Troughton and Colin Baker. This was a three-parter. Quite strange for Colin Baker's era that they ditched the whole uh, let's do a bunch of 25-slash-half-an-hour episodes and yeah. make them all 45 minutes. So this was three parts of 45 minutes, there or thereabouts. Mm. And right, so story-wise, the Centaurans, with their ongoing war effort against the, the Rutans, um, they have employed the services of... Um, uh, an andragum, andragum, mm. uh, uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? Not renegade, but not sort of, yeah. So, uh, this renegade E kind of andragum character, um, is working alongside this crazy, very camp, uh, professor, um, with a, a ploy, uh, to 
take out the what's it called the symbiosis thing from a time lord use it to power up what's effectively a makeshift tardis uh, giving the uh, the centaurans unlimited travel through time and space thus giving them the upper hand in the war and um the uh the 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 two doctors in this case um don't work together at all <laughs> um, no. but they they do work together with uh, the companions uh, to defeat the centaurans and the uh, I'm going to forget this all the way through the the andragums andragum yeah who, who are always dead hungry mm well one of them They're anyway very much uh, meat eaters aren't they yes yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's yeah it's um uh, fairly simpleish story, I guess. Mm. Uh, this one. Um, so the two doctors, mate. What's Adam feeling? Mm. Um, oh no. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now then. Mm. Um, Jamie. Um, well, I was quite young when I first watched this. When it first went out on TV, and I hated it. Um, oh. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't it. like it. Yeah, I was. Right. I don't know how how old would I have been? Twelve, something like that. Yeah, I didn't like all the rat eating. Didn't like all the people being stabbed and all that sort of stuff. So this this has never stuck in my mind as a story I particularly liked. Um, obviously, I'm just a tad older now. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember you know when it came out on DVD, watching it again through new eyes, older eyes, and thinking it was okay. But it's never been one that I particularly sort of didn't really warm towards it. I never gravitate towards it. Watched it the other night, obviously, for the review. Um, found myself really, un- surprisingly, enjoying the first episode, uh, which is bizarre, because I always thought it was really, I thought it, was, it took a long time to get going. And actually, on a rewatch, I found it quite the opposite. So, yeah, long story short, um, I actually enjoyed it more than I have done previously, a lot more. Until we get to episode three, uh, where I found myself getting really, really bored. And I thought it was such a shame, actually, because... Um, I love it when I don't think I like a story and then I put it on and I find myself enjoying it. I absolutely love it when that happens. It doesn't happen often. But uh, yeah, I found myself enjoying this for the first time in quite a long time. But I, I just found it, it really started to drag by episode three. I thought, oh no, it's totally lost momentum and silly things are happening that, that are ruining this. Um, and the ending just wrapped up ridiculously quick. Um, so yeah, I don't really know where I am on this one, to be honest with you. Uh, I like a lot of stuff in it, but don't like a lot of stuff in it as well. So it's a bit of a mediocre one for me. I'll read you. Uh, um, I'll just quickly say as well, I I was going to say in some ways I find it disappointing because it's got everything in it and it should easily be able to sustain my, um, interest for the three episodes even though they're 45 minutes because we've got pat troughton for a start who is just amazing as the second doctor we've got colin baker we've got fraser hines we've got jacqueline pierce from my favorite tv show the blake seven we've got the sontarans you know we've got seville it's got everything in it and yet it still manages to be boring in places and i just sort of think that shouldn't be happening oh and also how can i forget the biggest thing of all it's written by robert holmes who is an absolutely brilliant writer for Doctor Who. So although I did enjoy some of this, I also found myself being really disappointed because with all those elements, this should be an absolute classic. And I don't think it is. I don't think it reaches the heights 
that that I'd expect it to really. So that's where I am with it. What about you? Hi, Regan, mate. Um, yes, I really want to like it. Mm. I really want to like it, but I find I found myself just uh, thinking this this will pick up. I'm, I'm mm. sure this is going to pick up, and it's one of those stories that it never it never moves out of it, the gear that it starts in. Yeah, yeah. If anything, it goes down again, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's just main. I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with that if the, if it suits the story. But I really wanted more stuff to happen. I wanted Troughton to be in it more. I yep. wanted a lot more interaction between uh, the the two doctors. I yep. wanted them. I, I really wish in the story that they they had met sooner in the story, and they worked together. Even if they were arguing constantly and picking at each other, you know, just more screen time with those two together would have been awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it just never really sort of, it, it, it's weird cause it whets your appetite before. Cause when you read the synopsis and you read the plot and you think, wow, this is, could be cool. Cause like you say, it's got everything in there really. Everything. Yeah. You know, it's got some cool location stuff and the Santarans with the skinny jeans and the whole <laughs> lot, you know, it's all there, but yeah, it just never seems to get out of second gear. It's just, just constantly sort of ambles along and it does amble it's a, gosh it, does it amble yeah it's a i would probably liken it to sort of a gondola ride you mm, know just mm. a nice leisurely you know punt down the down the river nothing yeah. too stressful same pace all the way a few and, nice scenes yeah. yeah and you get off at the end and you think that was that was nice but you know it wasn't really thrilling it was just a nice mm couple of hours um it's yeah. a bit like that it's not like because i think we it's something like the five doctors ah. you know we were kind of spoiled with that weren't we because that really mm. was you know we, we haven't reviewed that yet have we oh no we did yeah we did oh, we did, yeah, we did. We did yeah, yeah we did so i can speak back yeah yeah so that sort of blows your socks off in terms mm. of you know the story and all the interactions between the doctors it's great stuff so we're mm. kind of spoiled with that and then when we get to this it's like and like you say, because Troughton's in it, he's such a great doctor. Mm. And he does have some good moments, but I just wish he was in it a bit more. So for me, I, I really want to like it. I really want it to be a great story, but I don't know. It, I just find myself drifting off quite quite frequently throughout all the three parts. Mm. Yeah. I think because obviously the, the second doctor spends almost the entire second episode and nearly most of the third episode on a bed or in a, in a wheelchair, doesn't it? He doesn't, he's sort of, he's in his, he's, he's asleep for a lot of it. And I'm just thinking, God, don't waste <laughs> Patrick Troughton. Cause when he is, when he is um, awake, he's, he's fantastic. Even when he's sort of turning half Andrigan, mm. Andrigan, even when he's, you know, he, he's still fantastic to watch on screen, but you just can't wait for him to get back to being the second doctor. And, you know, like you said, he finally gets to have a few scenes with Colin at the end. Uh, my favorite being the very last bit where he says, I think there should be room for both of us in the universe. Just and Pat's just, is barely looking at Colin. Oh, just wonderful. But oh, it's just, yeah, it's just such a, it's just such a waste of having the second doctor. He should have been in it so much, done so much more in it. Um, the only good thing about it is it does give Colin and, fraser time together and i think they're great together actually i'd forgotten i that's one of the things that really lifted this for me because i really didn't i really 
yeah, I really didn't think I was going to enjoy watching this story, but I did find bits in it like the sec, it were like uh, the Sixth Doctor and Jamie together. I thought, oh, these are great. Actually, I'd forgotten about this. There's a good rapport between the two of them. Um, I feel sorry for Jamie having to wear that blimmin' great costume. He must have been baking when they're in Seville. Oh, the tartan. What is that thing he's got on his shoulder? And he seems to be constantly shuffling it round. He looks so uncomfortable. Poor Fraser. Yeah. He must have been baking in it. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it's good. Him and Colin together, I think, are great. And, uh, um, oh, actually, I was about to say something else, but I'll save it till we come on to the, the cast later. But... But uh, yeah, it needed more patterned six together. Definitely, it's um, it's a nice start, I think. Even though, <laughs> even though everything in it is wrong, but it's a lovely idea. <laughs> the fact they start it in black and white with the it's the fourth Doctor's console, isn't it? But they've that's you know, right. Yeah, got to try and pretend but, it's yeah. the second Doctor's. Um, it's a nice idea. I just I like the fact that they at least tried to to make a different console because they don't bother doing anything with the the TARDIS itself but you know inside they did try to at least <laughs> give them a different console and I really did as I said everything in it is wrong but I really liked likes it that they start in black and white and it drifts into color um from Pat um I thought that was good but it did make me wonder where on earth is this set in the timeline because where's Victoria why does the doctor look old like in in the um <laughs> in the five doctors Pat's he's either wearing a wig or if they've dyed his hair and in this one He's, I'm assuming that's his hair and not a wig. He's got like natural grey. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he looks a lot older. So does Jamie, obviously, because it is filmed a lot longer. But but where's, um where I don't know where this is supposed to be set. Is it, It's not, obviously it's before the war games, I assume. Yes. Um, unless it's, unless it's in between the war games and the third when we don't know what happens to Doctor. But don't know, mate, where is this set? Because the Time Lords have, have sent him on a mission haven't they he's got this thing built into the TARDIS console kind of the time laws have put there and I'm like where's all this come from so part of me was um not bothered by this at all but I was really sort of reading into it getting quite intrigued of where you know where this would be like I think they do mention Victoria briefly don't they, they something do. about her being dropped off or yeah yeah mm. it is it is very weird uh, it's respect. probably one of those where you could you could read into it forever. I don't think you know it'd probably drive you insane. But um, yeah, I just wonder what you thought about that. Like the Time Lords sending the Second Doctor out on a mission just seemed a little uh, odd and out of place to me. Yeah, and they do they do sort of overkill that a little bit as well. I I feel mm. yeah because so that thing appears on the TARDIS on the console, and, and the Doctor's very surprised. He's like, "That's not." I've never seen that before. Mm. <laughs> and so that's, you know, the, the old Time Lords are up to their tricks again. They've obviously sent him to this planet because the two scientists are experimenting with time travel. Yeah. Um, and it gets a little bit political in that respect because uh, the, the the camp scientist guy, uh, Dastari, he's like, well, I'm not going to tell him to stop. You know, the Time Lords have no jurisdiction here, blah, blah, blah. And and it's that point the doctor bangs on about. Well, I'm merely a messenger, you know. I'm I'm a I'm ex- exiled from Gallifrey, you know. I'm mm. so they do sort of real hammer home the the thing that the Time Lords have sent him there, but he doesn't really want to, you know, have to do it because he's quite good chums apparently with the Starry because yeah. the Sixth Doctor speaks very highly of him mm. and all that stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it is a bit. I wouldn't say it's you know it's is it factually 
incorrect it's not well i'm thinking does it mess up yeah that's the thing thinking does this does this not mess up stuff like in the war games i don't think jamie knew the time lords were but he obviously does in this story i don't know as i said it's probably one of those things where you could read a million things into it and it does i'm sure it does contradict stuff but it's it's probably probably not worth worrying about but i was quite finding myself my mind was wondering it just it seems more of a third doctory thing i can imagine him being you know when the time lords were still controlling his tardis and and all that i can imagine him having that put there but it's i don't know just seemed a little bit of an odd start and I'd, i'd completely forgotten all about all that um, at the beginning as well, like the Time Lords are doing this. What? Yeah. So, yeah, bit of an odd start, I thought. Yeah, it is a little bit odd. Mm. But then after that, it's kind of full swing, really, with the yeah. Sixth Doctor getting involved, and he's having a bit of a fish, isn't he? He's trying to catch uh, some what is it, Gumble Jacks? Oh yeah. Bli- you know those flipping. <laughs> oh, when he gets that fish out and he's like moving around his hand as if it's alive. Yeah, oh, Colin. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Colin. Yeah. yeah. And uh, literally within moments of um, the the sixth doctor and Perry being on screen, the same thing enters my head that it always does. Mm. And that is why the heck does she bother? Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I know <laughs> it's written that way. I know it's meant, I know that that's the, that's how that doctor and companion are meant to be. That's how they're written. That's how mm. uh, Colin and, uh, Nicola are happy to play it, but you just think like, come on! She looks constantly bored, and he's doesn't she? She's always yeah. huffing as if like, ah, oh, when when are we going to move on? When are we going to do something? She looks constantly like she doesn't want to be there. I don't get it at all. Yeah. Even like, even like she doesn't. I was going to say this earlier, but you've mentioned it now. Even later <laughs> on, it, this is why the Jamie and and the Doctor Six Doctor are so good together because they actually work together to do something about the situation. Perry spends this entire story following them around like a lost sheep, huffing and puffing about the fact that she's got to, got to do something, and it's just like yeah. she does nothing to help. Um, yeah, she yeah. Uh, she really irritates me actually. Perry as a companion, yeah, she doesn't do herself any favors because the Doctor is pretty much borderline very rude to her. <laughs> yeah. You know, throughout pretty much every story <laughs> that they're in, you know, mm. in Colin Baker's run. And I always think the same thing. I think, why why do you put up with that? Because you clearly don't want to be there because, like you say, she's huffing and puffing and mm. she's moaning and she doesn't want to do anything. He's being a right git to her, you know, and <laughs> constantly putting her down and pretty much just calling, you know, at the end of the day, he just looks at her as some sort of airhead. And she doesn't do herself any favours because, like you say, she follows him around and whenever he says anything... She just gives him the same response every time. It's like, uh, 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 doctor, uh, uh, I don't understand. Yeah. And or just, she goes, oh, like she rolls her eyes as if like, yeah, oh, yeah. You know. doctor, hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, come on. Get, you know, if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to have Perry in the story, at least give her a bit more to do. Yeah. Well, it, I was thinking back to the, what's the one that we reviewed recently in the hospital with Martha and then, like I remember saying to you, I love how the doctor sort of does a very simple test, doesn't he, to see who's actually going to hinder him and who's going to help him in terms of the two um, nurses. And he works out that Martha's actually asking questions and she's going to help him. Yes. And then yep. the other nurse, yep. he's, he says, oh, no, you can stay here because he realises she's going to be a blimmin' Perry. She ain't going to do nothing, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I'm just sort of thinking, you know, that's the thing with Perry is she never seems to help the doctor 
resolve any situational danger that, sh- that she's in. Uh, or well, at least she doesn't in this story, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I constantly ask myself, why is she traveling with him? Why does the doctor even let her travel with him? You know, it's a strange one. And she does. Mm. The only thing that he asks her to do is cause a distraction at the at the villa towards the end, so that they can sneak in the back way. So she oh, goes that's in, right, you yeah. know, and she starts quizzing. That you know, she's a foreign student or something like that. Is that when Shockeye nearly gets his hands on her? Yes, he chases yeah. after her. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a fairly decent cliffhanger because the first cliffhanger is um, rubbish. <laughs> it's dreadful. They just sort of faint and I do, it just ends. But I like the cliffhanger with um, <laughs> Shockeye because he looks really like, uh, he looks properly yeah. sinister. I yeah. thought, oh, that's a good cliffhanger, yeah. Yeah, the other times, uh, oh, one of the other times where the Doctor's fainted again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it falls onto some wires or something. Oh. Yeah, and it's really funny yeah. because he faints at the beginning, though, in the in the TARDIS, doesn't he? When he has the oh, mind, that's right. yeah. the mind lock, and then he passes out, and, uh, and then he passes out again later on, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a tra- there's a couple of trailers on YouTube knocking about where when they were putting this story on UK Gold years ago, <laughs> the the narrator over the advert starts off with, "Oh, the Doctor's not feeling well." because <laughs> all it shows is the sixth doctor just passing out everywhere i'm thinking of varos as well when he's in that in that tunnel with the bright light and he just oh, yeah. passes out. he's always <laughs> passing out he is isn't he? it's like you need some yeah. iron tablets or something yeah he needs a good pint of guinness but yeah something mm-hmm. uh so yeah so we'll come on to uh you know when we go through the characters later we'll mm. you know give our final thoughts on perry but uh i think this story overall has got some great interactions they're just not enough of them and there would yeah. you know there's just not enough screen time like i like you said i absolutely love this doctor and jamie yeah I they're think, really good together i yeah. think they are and when well, the first time i saw this i thought is is colin baker going to be slightly intimidated by by pat troughton mm. and i thought you know is is, is he going to come across on screen as maybe not his usual self, but he absolutely nailed like all the scenes between him and with him and Jamie right off the bat. There's no, there's no, uh, he doesn't regress into any kind of sort of laid back performance or anything like that. Even mm. when he's on screen with Pat, he's, he's in control pretty much. He's like yeah. really, really going for it. And I, and in some respects, I, I think this is one of my, one of my favored sixth doctor stories purely just for Colin's performance right. because he does really sort of go for it a lot. And he's, you know, he's, you know, we've said that he's quite mean to Perry and that's just the way his doctor's written. But, you know, when he's dealing with the Centaurans or he's, you know, talking to Pat or Jamie or, you know, he's really, he's on form in this story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, him and Jamie together, like you said, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Colin definitely holds his own in it, um, and that's what I like. Actually, he's actually uh, he's quite clever in it as well, isn't he? Like when he's forced to go into the time ship or whatever, and he purposely sets it, you know, like a yeah, trap. Yeah. But so not, but but it's quite a clever trap that the first time they use it, it'll work a lot. So yeah, he's he's good in this um, in terms of that. He definitely holds his own. You don't feel like Pat or Colin are overshadowing each other actually at all. Mm. You know, probably because they're not in it much together. But even when they are, you don't feel like that. Yeah. yeah. Let's oh, I've just been reminded of the scene where they're tied up, and they <laughs> all they do is ask Perry to move the chair because she's tied up. All they do is say, "Can you 
pass that wheelchair over you. She even moans about that. She's only got to move the chair from there to there, and she she's like, "Oh, well, what's the point? I ain't gonna just do it." <laughs> <laughs> she even moans about that. She's definitely got. Yeah. Uh, she's definitely not happy very much. Mm, but, no. You know, I can count on one hand where. I, I remember scenes with Perry where she's got a big old smile on her face and she's, she, you know, she's useful to the plot. You know, she's just. She's, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, when she's in Caves of Androzani, I think that's the only story where she doesn't irritate me. Um, okay. I, I, I seem uh, to remember she's all right in Caves. I don't remember her like this, being this sort of useless sidekick companion or whatever. She does go a little bit like it when they're up for execution. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, she just, yeah, she she's defeatist attitude. She's, mm-hmm. but other than that, yeah, she's okay in caves. Yeah, I think you seem to remember she's alright in caves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about some some story plot. So Robert Holmes did go on record and say that he wrote this uh, because uh, he was, um, it was like a, a sly dig, if you like, at meat eaters. Yeah, which so, yeah does come through in mm. the story, doesn't it? Especially when matey boys eating the rat it's like what is going on yeah so back in the sort of mid 80s um uh, robert holmes was a was a vegetarian mm. at the time and uh, so we sort of wrote it as a um yeah a sort of a, yeah a slight dig if you like at, uh, at non-veggies meat eaters mm. and the it it almost overshadows the story for me in a way because the 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 Andragums, especially the cook guy, what's his name? Shockeye. Shockeye. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's he's in it an awful lot, mm. and uh, and his main thing, which gets boring after, you know, even like midway th- through or two thirds of the way through episode one, just the constant him banging on about you know, cooking humans and eating flesh and all the rest of it all the time. Mm. I kind of got really bored with that aspect after, certainly by the end of the first part, I was like, okay, well, he's made his point. And then he just bangs on about it throughout the entire story, right up until the last bit yeah. before he cops it in in part three. Mm. Uh, he's, he's just banging on remorselessly about wanting to eat meat and cook flesh and what do humans taste like. And you just think, this guy's like a bad smell. Because <laughs> just when you think the story's getting going, you know, it's got it's got to that point where you think, right, surely he's not going to pop up again and tell us, the viewer, that he's hungry and that he wants, mm. you know, to cook a human and all that stuff. And then you have some cool stuff going on with the Sixth Doctor and you think, right, the story's going. No, there's Shockeye. What's the matter with him now? Oh, he's hungry. <laughs> I bet you like the bit where um he gets zapped by Chassini though, didn't you? When he's like he's going on about it again. He's like, Oh, <laughs> let me taste the humor. And she just instead of instead of just, you know, slapping him away, she zaps him. <laughs> knocks him out. I was like, Oh, right. Actually, I think she wants uh, she wants to put him in that machine, doesn't she? That's why she does right. it. But yeah. it did make me laugh a bit because he's really getting into it and he's Rawr! as if he's about to have a good old feast. Yeah. And then zapped. Um uh, but I I must just yeah agree with you about what you're saying about the fact it does go on and on about that because that's why I found myself getting so bored in the third episode particularly because one minute he's got Jamie on that blimmin' table I don't know what he's doing to him it's actually looks almost 
rude actually with that stupid device um going around priming the meat <laughs> and then about 10 minutes later he's got perry on the table and he's doing the same thing and the, the thing i'm trying to get to is it, it just feels like we're going around in circles because every time he's just about to get the knife to him someone walks in yeah and it's just like, oh yeah. you've done that about two or three times now we're just doing it with different people and that's why i just found it getting really repetitive towards the end um yeah. i just felt it was really flagging yeah because no, yeah. every time you know you know it's going to happen before he does it he's he's just going to get the knife there and then someone's going to come in and come on i've got time for food now you know and yeah so i agree with you it did, did get really repetitive it did yeah. So yeah. So you can. I can see why Robert Holmes would have uh, uh, did actually write all that stuff into the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it just seems to dominate a little bit more than what was necessary. I thought. Yeah. It's like we get yeah. the we get it we get the idea, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. we understand. Uh, and then the other part of the story. So it, the story is kind of so the the what's her name? Jacine. Jacini. Jacini. Sorry, she's got this sort of master plan, hasn't she? Because. The, the scientist guy, the starry, he's been uh, sort of uh, operating on her and she's no longer, she doesn't look like an androgum anymore. So, I bet you laughed at that bit as well. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, uh, she now wants more from life. She doesn't, doesn't want to be just a, you know, a, a fleshy in, you know, whatever androgums do. Uh, so she's got this plan to sort of go off and, you know, start a new life and a new whatever you know, leave the androgams behind. And then mm. the other part of the story, and, that, and that's why she sort of teams up with the, with the Centaurans, isn't it? So the other part of the story is the Centaurans, they're still raging a war against the, um, Rutons, the Rutons, that's it. And, uh, she's like, well, I can give you time Lord technology and, you know, so they kind of team up for a while. So how do you feel about the, the Centaurans in this story then? Because they, they, they are very important to the plot, obviously, because they're like, mm. you know, they're really sort of driving forward that bit around, you know, they want this sort of, they want the TARDIS technology, they want it now and, and all that stuff. And we only see two of them, though. There's only two Centaurans, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So we have, um, uh, we have Stike and Val. Mm. Yeah, the two Centaurans. So uh, classic Centauran costumes, mouth doesn't move very well. Uh, dense potato head looking <laughs> domes uh, but quite quite you know that's the charm of the old classic stuff but I'm, I wasn't too taken with the the performance though with these so I don't know how you feel about these guys um, no I didn't mind the performance I was going to say um, I was more sort of put off by the look of him because for a start one of them's about six feet tall and <laughs> I always thought sometimes they're supposed to be small I thought that's part of their so he's obviously had a few greens uh, eating his been eating his uh, fruit and fiber. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking they didn't they didn't look very good. But I thought I actually thought the performances weren't too bad. Um, right. Okay. But it's just more the look I thought because yeah, they they were really tall. They look like they got eyelashes as well. The masks I thought looked pretty pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, they look very very rubbery. Um, and they, yeah, just from a distance and shots that look like they got great big eyelashes. I was like, what is going on? I always find it really strange because when you watch the time. Is it the Time Monster? What's the Pertwee one on in the castle? It's Time Warrior. Time Warrior, maybe? The Time Warrior, yep. Yeah. Um, when you watch that, you know, the Sontaran looks amazing in it. His face actually looks like it's made from a potato. Like the makeup and mask on that thing 
was incredible. And then over the years, every time we get a Satoran, the, the costumes, the mask, I mean, seems to get worse and worse and worse. And I can't work it out. It should get better, surely, the prosthetics. <laughs> but no, I thought I thought I thought the performance was all right. I didn't have a problem with the, the guys um playing the Santarans in this. Uh I just thought that they the mask and the costumes and the high and everything was all a bit wrong, if you like. Um especially the mask. I thought they looked really cheap and terrible yeah yeah i see i prefer performances like you were like the time warrior i really prefer links from links that's it yeah from yeah the time Warrior. i prefer that kind of centauran thing but i thought these two i don't know they were just very uh, I, well Stike was okay i suppose i mean but it's the, the look does come into it because the uh they should be quite short and dumpy mm. like uh like like tanks almost you know like infantry soldiers that's their kind of thing but this yeah Stike especially he was yeah like six and a half feet tall mm-hmm. and uh, the costumes obviously you know quite slim fit so he had like these they looked like skinny <laughs> jeans and shoes that he was wearing yeah <laughs> uh, and it just yeah it just didn't feel like a, a decent Centauran story to me it just felt like they were doing a lot of shouting and a yeah. lot of threats but you know and it's a, there is a really funny scene where he gives Trout on a proper left hander. You know, when, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. When Trouton's kicking off when he's on the, 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 on the operating the bed, and uh, Santarin gives him a proper slap. Mm. Uh, so that was funny, but they do a lot of shouting, a lot of threatening, all that stuff. But they end up just not doing real anything substantial. To be no, with they you. are definitely wasted in it. Definitely yeah. wasted. Because um, I think that's what that's what I mean. I think they start off all right, um, but yeah, they don't really do a lot in between, apart from like you said, a lot of shouting. Um, it's pretty gross as well when they <laughs> <laughs> when they well towards the end their demise and they look they sort of come out looking like they've just um, been cooking a cabbage stew and it's exploded in their face, doesn't it? They sort of come out with all this cabbage all over them. Yeah, they've been and it through, looks uh... gross, but it's like <laughs> what. Yeah, I just feel they're wasted in it, unfortunately. They are a little bit. They yeah. Look, yeah, they look like they've come out of, uh, older viewers might know what I'm talking about. They've come out of Pat Sharp's Funhouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> covered in green gunge that you see on like 80s TV kids yeah. shows. But, and it, yeah, I mean, it was quite a good scene where Stike gets stabbed in the leg. And uh, he has quite a funny response. They're like, it's the Time Lord that did it. And Jacini's like, nah. And his response is, well, I didn't do it to myself, did I? <laughs> oh, there's, sorry about the Skype cut out there. What did you say? I missed it. I missed the impression. Yeah. So Stike says, you know, when he gets knifed in the leg. Yeah. And he's like, this Time Lord did it. And Jacini's like, nah. And he's like, well, I didn't do it to myself, did I? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like really sarcastic um, yeah. replies. But Santarans in general in this one, yeah. <sighs> You know, they should have been a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it would have been okay if they weren't so shouty and, you know, mm. throwing threats around every three seconds. You know, if they actually followed up on those and we had maybe a couple more spectator deaths <laughs> um, or something, it would have been, you know, a bit more uh, warranted, all of the threats and so on. But yeah, it was just a bit like uh, a bit like Shockeye. They just got a little bit samey after a while as we got mm. through. Oh, it's another scene, another threat. You better do this now. I'm losing patience. I'm going to start slapping you around. And then, you know, something happens and they're back to square one. 
I want this done now. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you a slap, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it was a bit round. To be honest with you, this whole story could have been a two-parter easily. Yeah, in my mind, I thought it was as well. I was a bit surprised when I put it in and it was like three parts. In my head, I always thought it was a two-parter for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think we should have had a more between Chastini, Chastini, I mean, and the, the Sontarans as well, because they're supposed to be working together, but I didn't feel that at all. I really didn't. didn't I know it was sort of in there in the story, but I, it didn't seem like they were working together mm, yeah. to me. Um, and so when she betrays them at the end by throwing in the gas canisters and that, I was just like, <laughs> it, it all just didn't quite fit to me. I was thinking, well, okay. You know, I haven't really, there wasn't much between them at all, was there? Not really. It's, Considering they got this great big master plan. Yeah, and it does sort of fall a bit weak at the end as well, where she just suddenly decides, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, do away with these two buffoons. Got, yeah. I've got my own plan now. So It seemed very quick, didn't it? Very sort of out of the blue. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, two parters, a two part, 45 minutes each, seems it would have been a better fit for this. And, what do you uh, think of the 45 minute format? Do you like it? I, I'm not a fan of it for classic who. No, I prefer the 25 minute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because when they put this out, on when they put this out in the US, they edited it down and they had 25 minute episodes. Mm. Be- yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, probably because it was a case of, well, uh, it seems a bit long. But, you Does know, that made it a six parter? Made it a six parter at 20 minutes. Golly, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't that's... know which is worse actually. Yeah, I mean, like modern Doctor Who really suits the 45 minute format. It does, yeah, because yeah. it's you know, it's it it's a bit longer than a, a standard half hour slot to get a bit more done, but it doesn't feel like you're watching a film. Mm. Um, but for classic Who, I don't know, it's I mean, if the story is really good, you know, and you get like a four parter or a six part or a 25 minutes long and it's a good story, then it's great. It's yeah, it's really yeah. good. But I think that this, I think they could have done away with, they could have done away with a big chunk of episode three. Easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of episode three is just, um, is just location shots, isn't it? I mean, I, I, you know, I love my locations, but, <laughs> um, and I think that's why in my head I thought I liked episode three, but actually I think it's the weakest, but yeah, most of episode three is just them walking around Seville. There really isn't anything happening or moving the story forward. So they could have easily yeah, yeah. Uh, moved this into two, you know, two episodes, I think. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And OK, before we get on to uh, the other characters, just quickly, did you like the 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 overall story that like Robert Holmes had written in quite a lot of uh, sort of time lordy stuff? Mm. So we have a lot of interaction, obviously, between. Um, the Doctor and Perry and the Doctor and Jamie, and they're talking about uh, Time Lord technology and Time Lord stuff. Mm. And then we have we have uh, uh, the second Doctor who's um, tied up for a lot of it, and he's you know trying to push back and tell the Centaurans not to do it. It'd be a big mistake because of the Time Lords and all, and all this stuff. And then that scene at the beginning uh, where the second Doctor goes to the Starry's office and they have a big discussion around why the Time Lords would try and interfere in their testing and they don't want them to experiment with time travel, all that stuff. It does, mm-hmm. it, it's very sort of Doctor Who lore heavy for the first, well, two parts at least. The third part yeah. is kind of useless really, but the first mm-hmm. two parts, it does really give us uh, that sort of 
early insight into how the doctors feel about the time lords um because the jamie mentions it or no was it perry or jamie she says the same thing or a very similar thing uh that i think donna says to the 10th doctor about you know these are the time lords these are your people and mm. then it's the doctor that says you know they're not that you know they're not these wonderful you know uh, people that you know they're made out to be sometimes so we do get that don't we we have the uh uh, the second Doctor, very, very negative about the Time Lords. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin's Doctor, not so much, because uh, he's See, like, yeah, why would they? This is ridiculous. The Time Lords wouldn't disagree with this. This is, mm. you know, but the but Troughton's Doctor, he's very much like, yeah, I'm just a messenger. Don't blame me for their, <laughs> you know, their. So it, there's a lot of Time Lord Gallifreyan stuff sort of subtly inserted into a lot of scenes. In the background, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten about all that as well. Um it is odd i mean because you're feeling the time lord presence but they're not in the story and i quite like that because i quite like the fact that you just get the feeling that they're out there keeping an eye on what's going on in the universe but they're sort of an unseen presence so i quite like that side of it um but it felt a little bit unnatural with the second doctor talking about the time lords just because of his era we didn't get much of that so it seems a bit odd to hear him saying some stuff and jamie but it didn't, yeah, it feels more natural for the Sixth Doctor to, to be talking about the Time Lords for me, yes. not so much the yeah. Second Doctor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Troughton's performance, he doesn't quite come close to uh, Tom Baker's big, big rant at the beginning of Brain of Morbius, mm-hmm. where he feels like the Time Lords have landed him on, on, on that planet and he's having a good old moan and rant at the beginning. That's it. Yeah, he's throwing his toys out the pram. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's not. He's not quite to that extent. But I did find it quite interesting that mm. um, Troughton's doctor is very much like, uh, uh, sort of, he's taking himself out of the loop of blame. If you like, he's just there yeah. to deliver yeah. the message. Whereas Colin's doctor's more like, you know, the Time Lords would never do such a bad thing. You know, they're amazing and all that stuff. So. Yeah, That's I like the brilliant. fact they were trying to be framed the Time Lords as well. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not a, not a bad bit of uh, exposition there for Robert Holmes. No, it's all right. I mean, it's interesting to 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 hear on the is it the making of or something where they're saying that you know Bob Rob <laughs> Robert Holmes was asked to write Bob. the Five Doctors. Bob, I'm thinking the Terence Six. That's like <laughs> he always goes. Bob was asked to write the the Five Doctors, um, and this. Kind of, there are elements from this story which apparently would have been in the Five Doctors had he gone ahead and written it, right. um, but it all fell through. So Terence Dix took over and wrote the Five Doctors. Thank goodness, because um, I, th- <laughs> I absolutely love the Five Doctors. Mm. But so it's interesting to think that there are still bits of this which might have ended up being the Five Doctors, if you like. Um, it's because I think, and also it was supposed to be set in America, wasn't it? Correct. Originally, yep. um, before they realised they couldn't afford that, <laughs> so it changed to Seville. <laughs> so jumped on an easy jet flight instead. Yeah, over and to also, Spain. <laughs> they had to um, the two actors, which we haven't talked about yet, but we will. Um, Oscar and Anita. Uh, apparently, they when they filmed their scenes, they flew back to the UK, and then they realised the film was all scratched and they couldn't use it, and they had to flying them back out to refilm oh. the scenes they were like oh that's blown more of the budget and and all that so i think it was all a little bit um <laughs> you know I, d- I don't know it really needed to be set in seville let's put it that way i know john nathan turned the light to find ways to 
get a free holiday or whatever. But I don't think having it set in Seville added anything to the story at all, apart from the fact it looks really nice. <laughs> you know, like, as I said, episode three, we spend a lot of time walking around Seville. We get some nice shots of Seville, but it doesn't, it didn't need to be set in Seville, did it? No, really? I think it's just a random location because at the end of the day, they're just landing on Earth. Because yeah, it's nice to have somewhere different. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing Doctor in different yeah. places. Yeah. But it's just shock eye, really, wasn't it? He was like, I want to go to Earth to sample <laughs> the uh, the human flesh. So yeah. they ended up landing in this random Spanish, you know, Sev- yeah, Seville. And it could have been just an old English castle somewhere, couldn't it? It didn't have yeah. to be. a, Or it could have been, I don't know, Aylesbury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Wickham. <laughs> yeah, somewhere random, you know, in yeah. you know, to save the budget, I guess. But you know, it, it's okay. I mean, it does add a a, a flavour of you know something different in classic Who. Yeah, seldom uh, did always... they have to. Seldom did they go to a, a proper a broad location. So no, I'm just thinking back to City of Death. I think it uh, again, it didn't really add anything to the story, but it did work really nicely having. Paris features so yeah. prominently in City of Death, whereas I feel in this one, it um, we only really get to see it in episode three, don't we? They just go for a stroll. It's almost as if, right, we're in Seville, let's go and get some location shots, and they just have yeah. a nice little wander yeah. around um, and uh, and do that. But yeah, it's, it is always nice to see it in a different location. But uh, yeah, I go, every time I watch it, I just because when I was in Seville a few years ago, I dragged my my partner around all these locations. So that's the only bit I enjoyed about episode three was thinking, yeah, I remember sitting outside that cafe and insisting that we had to eat at that cafe because it was the one in the show. It took me ages to find the blimmin' fountain and trying to get everyone to move out of the way so I could get a clean shot. And (laughs) I distinctly remember one guy standing behind it, just one bloke in the way, and I was trying to move to get the (laughs) shot of the fountain and stuff. But yeah, it is nice. It's nice to see Seville. I, I just think they maybe could have incorporated it a little bit more. Like I'd have liked to have seen it a bit more early on rather than just suddenly getting to episode three and shoving all these location bits where they're just wandering around doing nothing. Yeah, you know? I, I read you. Yeah, it's almost like the head of the BBC said to John Nathan Turner, well, you can go, you've got the budget, but you're going to have to make use of it. So you're going to have to get some Seville <laughs> yeah. in there. He's like, don't worry, we'll put some, we'll wander I mean, around for a little while. The uh, Is it called Hacienda or wherever the, the ruin house they're staying in makes for quite a nice eerie location because it does feel like it's out in the middle of nowhere. That's, I do quite like that. Yeah, feels like they're really out of it, out of the beaten track a bit in that old ruin house or whatever. Yeah, Hacienda. Um, yeah, Hacienda. Yeah, the sets are good actually. Mm, you know, yeah. when they go inside it, I could. You know, we know it's a set, but it it does. You know, the flooring and all that. They've done a good job with that, so that matches quite well, I think. I tell you which set I did like was when they were mm. underneath the. Because the first part of the story, and when the sixth Doctor goes there as well, they're on this space station, aren't they? Yeah, that's where the uh, the the scientific the scientific the scientists are running those experiments. Mm. And when um, the sixth Doctor and Perry go underneath, and it's got all those multicoloured lights down below, and there's like the steel framework, and they're just climbing around. It's like a massive climbing mm. frame, basically. And I thought that would that was pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, I liked that. So it's interesting because I didn't think you would. I thought you'd think that looked thought. I thought you'd think that looked a bit tacky, but yeah, I quite liked it as well. Yeah, I don't cool. know why. It's just because it's very basic, isn't it? Yeah, very basic, but it does work. Yeah, yeah it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. All right, well, let's talk about those two guys then. Uh, yeah. Oscar and Anita. They're uh, mm-hmm. they, um I can't I can't figure them out because why are they uh, in it? Yeah, well, they're obviously on a bit of a ramble. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of an afternoon stroll. He's going to look for his moths to add to his his collection. Right. Yeah, and uh, but I don't understand. Are they a couple? Is it because later on in episode three, you know, when he gets stabbed by yeah, and he goes into doing yeah. like Shakespeare or something, doesn't he? Yeah, um, Anita's there, and she's obviously working in the restaurant. So I couldn't, but up until that point, I couldn't figure it out. Is he like? Is she like his his little floozy? You know, know. it'd take a special kind of woman to say, yeah, cool. I'll I'll come out into the countryside and look for some moths with you. Yeah. (laughs) It it would, you know, it seems a bit random. So yeah, Mm. I don't know. Yeah. They're they're, It's an odd, yeah, it's an odd coupling. I mean, I am quite glad in a way they're in it because I find Oscar quite a likable character, but his death scene is, is ridiculous. I mean, I (laughs) actually felt like, is this supposed to be in it? You know, when he starts doing the whole, Shakespeare thing when he's supposed to be dying because it's a it's quite a nasty scene actually when he initially gets stabbed yes and then yeah. so that's immediately followed by what's supposed to be I suppose a very dark humorous scene of I, him reciting I the, so. the act he'll never get to perform or something it's all very strange yeah because he's essentially uh, he's a bit of a, 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 a pompous idiot really isn't he because yeah. he's an out of work actor but he's running he's running his mate's restaurant for him <laughs> basically isn't he that's what he said he's yeah. running his he's managing his friend's restaurant because he's in between roles or something that's it and yeah. uh yeah he gets stabbed and then he's it's just ridiculous death scene i mean it is it's possibly one of the worst yeah. bit in it actually yeah because i was just sat there thinking what is going on now and then yeah. yeah anita rushes over and he recites a bit of it to her and it's all very melodramatic. Yeah. Um, it actually, I think episode three does almost try and turn into a bit of a dark, humorous episode, actually, because you've got the bits with Pat and um, Shockeye, sorry, Second Doctor and Shockeye, when they're scoffing their faces and he brings them the bill, and there's all that going on as well, which is quite funny, but also mm. a little bit out of, The tone is different, isn't it? It was suddenly... I wouldn't say they're not camping it up, but they're... Um, it does take on a more light-hearted yeah, yeah. but quite dark tone at the same time, doesn't it? It's all a bit strange. I know what you mean. Yeah. All that business, yeah. Yeah, and we have the usual cat and mouse you have in Classic Who. So when the second Doctor gets turned into an Andrigam, mm. him and Shockeye go off for a good old jolly. Yeah. And uh, it's basically the others playing catch-up. It's like, they went this way, let's go. Well, it's quite funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny when the sixth Doctor starts to... You know, it just says, um, oh, gosh, I'm turning into one as well. Oh, he yeah, starts looking yeah. at the cat thinking, hmm, licking his lips or that sort of thing. I was thinking, yeah. oh, what on earth? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, we have a ridiculous uh, scene where the, the little van driver gets uh, a, oh. a smack off of, is it the second? Uh, who gives him a wallop? Is it uh, Shockeye? Shockeye yeah. grabs that big stick or whatever. Yeah. And he does that big, huge, melodramatic <laughs> faint and roll down the hill a little bit. And- yeah. Yeah, apparently there was some conspiracy with that uh, scene where they said, right, he's going to wallop you in the back and you're going to do this. And he was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, he was like, he wasn't prepared to do what they wanted him to do or so, which seems strange for a stunt person. Bizarre, yeah. The the guy was Mm. like, well, I'm not going to do that. And the director was like, you are. He's like, well, I'm not. (laughs) So you do it my way or you get someone else to do it. So, yeah, the, the... the, the stunt actor that's on on screen for 20 seconds put his foot down he was like yeah. no i'm not going to roll down the hill that way doesn't look right i'm going to roll this way 
he knows best. He's probably rolled down a few hills in his career. He's flattened some grass, anyway. Yeah, and you've yeah. had it, was, it wasn't the only one kicking off. Actually, what's the name? Um, Car- Carmen Gomez, who played Anita, refused to wear her oh, costume. Right. Yeah. Apparently, he said, "I'm not wearing that." Well, I don't know who do these actors think they are. I know. <laughs> so you've got poor old John Nathan Turner. He's got films that have been scratched and can't be used. He's flying people here back over from england to, for reshoots he's got people not wearing their costumes stunt many went for stunts it's like god it must have been a nightmare yeah you can imagine when he walks back into when he walked back into bbc center he's like all we can hear is john yeah. get in here now he's sort of sheepishly what's wrong why are we 10 grand over budget behind on schedule <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why time lash the following story has absolutely no budget because <laughs> it oh, all went crikey. off this yeah i must explain it yeah apparently there was a lot of um joke playing on set as well uh looking at the production notes um you remember the bit where colin throws a little jug of water over perry uh to wake her up when she's on the table in episode three? Oh yeah yeah before she's eaten um <laughs> yeah apparently they got the take in the can the first time but they they tricked her all the crew were in on it and they said oh we need to refilm it and she lies back on the table dries off and apparently colin got a great big bucket of water and threw it over her <laughs> but she didn't realize it was a gag so she carried on doing the scene until she sort of looked around there all laughing she's like oh you guys <laughs> you're so apparently such a stopped- hoot you can imagine old John Nathan Turner in the corner ripping his hair out. They're all playing jokes and having a good yeah. time and he's trying to get it in on schedule and oh my gosh. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's there's a there's a popular photo, isn't there, that's knocking about of um uh Pat and Colin and Jamie and Nicola and somebody else, I think, in one of the because they put them up in a those guys in a, a nice villa, didn't they? And they had a mm. so there's like somebody up on Colin's shoulders. They're in a swimming pool. Oh, swimming pool, yeah, in yeah. The villa. So they look like they're having a right old time over in Spain. Yeah, oh, they did. I mean, you know yeah. the story about Jacqueline Pierce going into the bar, do you? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is what it a... suitable for the podcast? <laughs> oh, uh, I'll, I'll say it in a way that it is. Well, basically, say, they, couldn't yeah. get, they couldn't get served. Uh, they're in the bar and they're just getting ignored. Excuse me, barman. Well, they can't get ignored. So Jacqueline Pierce just strolls in and says, leave it to me. <laughs> Basically opens her top and she's not wearing a bra and uh, and gets served immediately, apparently. <laughs> and John Overton has just stood there with his mouth open going, all oh, right, thanks, Jackie. I'll have a uh, Bacardi and Coke. <laughs> so I think they did have a very good time. In, Bacardi uh, in and Seville. Coke. Yeah, Seville. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah, so it looks like they had a good old time, but at, maybe at the expense of John Nathan Turner's sanity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, Actually, really quickly, it's got nothing to do at all with this episode. Nothing to do with anything this week. Um, Last week, when we spoke about the the very small teaser that was released for Series 10, and we have the bit where they're strolling through the library and all the faces come out. um, Oh, yeah. Last week, I forgot the name of the character, but I thought I saw uh, Borad from Time Lash. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. I'd, Surely not. Yeah, it's just because you mentioned Time Lash. I was like, oh, mm. Borad. And I'm, Can you imagine? It, it's probably not, but it, it looks a little bit like him, one of the faces. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, Oscar and Anita, they're, they're not in it an awful lot. And, they, you know, he's just a bit of a yeah, bit of a wet blanket, really. Mm. But he's, I, he's too afraid to help, isn't it? And Anita's, she's doing all the legwork. And... I do find that scene quite funny, though, where he because he, he, he's not naturally... Uh, 
authoritarian type person, is he? So no. he's got when he's going over the bill and he starts off really sheepish. And then Anita's like, tell them, you know, he has to find a backbone, doesn't he? So by the third time, he's sort of really like, gentlemen, this bill must be paid and all that sort of thing. And I, I thought it was quite a nice little performance from him. Uh, who's the guy? James Saxon. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't, again, don't really serve much purpose apart from leaving the, um, what's it? It's not chloroform, is it? What's the, what's the stuff? Cyanide. Cyanide, which we, we must get onto when we come to the Colin, because uh, that's quite controversial. But yeah, he, apart from leaving the cyanide just handily <laughs> there for the doctor to pick up later on, doesn't really serve much purpose apart from getting stabbed and yeah. reciting a bit of Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we've spoken about those guys now. We've spoken about uh, Chassini a little bit. Uh, Shockeye, um, he's in it an awful lot. We've spoken about him. Shockeye. See, I think we, we might disagree here. Because it sounds like you didn't like Shockeye. I can't stand him. Really? Yeah. I, I, he was. If he was in it for a couple of scenes, it would have been great. Because mm. I, I didn't mind uh, John Stratton's performance at times. Yeah. But I just thought they just completely overkill with the amount of times that that he's in it in every part. So that spoiled mm. it for me because I thought, yeah, he was he was good at the big, you know, towards the, the beginning of uh, part one, where the second doctor and jamie first bump into him and then again where we see him talking to jacini and so on you know it's all right but uh, towards the end of the story i just felt somebody kill him somebody well just... he does get his just desserts yeah. <laughs> <It's> just desserts. <laughs> <laughs> um well i've i will i will agree with you yeah it does get very boring um in terms of it is very repetitive but i do like uh I do like the performance because I find him really quite grotesque and I think he plays it really well. Mm. Um, and if anything, he's the only thing that has a bit of threat to him at times. Like I do love the cliffhanger where That's he's looming over yeah. Perry and he looks just so disgusting. Um, but so, yeah, I agree with you. He is repetitive, but I disagree with you that I do like the character. I thought he was quite um, comical, but also dark and gross at the same time so i quite like shock eye um i mean you do want i mean when he does get it <laughs> it's just as it, when he does get killed at the end i mean i wouldn't i would certainly don't feel sorry for him but you you sort of think yeah you do he did have it coming um we may have to talk about that actually because it is quite controversial like the, the sixth yeah. doctor people always go on about how he pushed the guys in the acid bath but he sort of didn't really do it on purpose he did he didn't well, you know whatever but but in this the doctor there is no doubt there is no doubt he gets that um cyanide and he kills him with it there is no well maybe he did you know there's no oh, yeah, gray area yep. the doctor kills him yeah and um that is quite harsh for the doctor i mean we don't very often see him blatantly outright kill somebody like that um and it is quite nasty <laughs> You know, so even though Shockeye is a horrible character, and then it is followed by an absolutely dreadful bit of uh, dialogue where the Doctor says, "Well, you got your just desserts and all that." It's like, no, 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 time and a place. Um, but how do you feel about that? I mean, Colin's Doctor, yes, he is the more violent. He is prepared to do things like that. But even so, the Doctor killing someone with cyanide—is it—is it a step too far? What do you reckon? Um. Or did you just hate Shockeye so much you really enjoyed it when he finally uh, met his end? Yes, I'll be honest with you. I quite enjoyed it when mm. when the Doctor 
gives him his just desserts. Mm. <laughs> Crikey. Uh, it's always a controversy. It always happens. Anytime in Who where the Doctor knowingly and, uh, you know, in full uh, grasp of his, of his uh, emotions and thoughts, murder somebody. Mm. You know, it's, it, it's, it's always a tricky one because, it, it, well, it's just a big moral dilemma, isn't it? It's like, did they deserve it? Even if they did deserve it, is the doctor... Does anybody any... deserve to, yeah, dish that punishment yeah. out? Yeah, you know, so did he deserve... That's one question. Did he deserve to die? That's the first one. The second one is, is it the doctor's responsibility to take his life? Should it have been the doctor that handed out, you know, the punishment and stuff? It's always a... Because I was just thinking, who else could have done it, though? I mean, I, I, there is part of me that thinks it's a bit wrong. Because I think it's quite horrible, the fact he puts that that net over his head, holds it to his... You know, it's, it's a pretty nasty way to kill someone. Um, so part of me thinks it's wrong for the Doctor to do that. But who else could have done it? Because, like, if Jamie did it, I think in some ways it would be even worse. Because I was thinking, no, Jamie... Well, I don't know. I mean, Jamie's quite handy with a knife, so maybe he would. But I certainly couldn't see the second Doctor doing it. No, not at all. No, I think Jamie uh, would have done Harry, it. Harry, yeah. Jamie probably would have done it because he yep. is a um, he's always up for a fight. Yep. Uh, but he's a bit more. Yeah, Jamie. Maybe it should have been Jamie. Perry, I can't see doing it. No. Um, no. So if anything, Perry. But then again, Colin's Doctor. It doesn't seem out of place for him because really. he's a bit no nonsense. But part of me is uncomfortable with it. I'll be honest with you, just because at the end of the day, it is the doctor. And I don't think the doctor should be killing anybody on purpose like that. Never um, cruel. Mm, yeah. So it does feel a bit wrong to me. I yeah. think maybe it should have been Jamie. Um, it still would have been unpleasant, but I don't think it would have. Uh, been too out of character maybe yeah yeah it doesn't seem out of place for his doctor for some reason but it is yeah i can see where you're coming from it's a bit risque Mm. to have the doctor do that um okay let's who have we not spoken about uh destari let's finish with him do you remember the buggles the group the music group the buggles they video killed the radio star oh sorry yes yeah same but then if you ever, then yeah. if yeah, I always every time it puts up on screen, I always just think of them. Yeah, that's what that's what the lead singer looked like, wasn't it? Uh, those silly glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, apparently, he was a bit of an old actor that came out of retirement to do this. Right, <laughs> um, Lawrence Payne. Lawrence Payne. Yeah, he's he's not he's all right, isn't he? He's not he's not. <laughs> he's right. I don't he? really know what to say. He's not like. I went, we've seen a lot worse um, in terms of performance, um, and he's certainly got an unusual look, but um, he's not great either. I don't know. What do you um, reckon? Yeah, he's just very boring. I think yeah. the, the, uh, the, the best scene for me is when he just falls asleep on his desk and he's midway through conversation with the, mm. the second doctor. You know, his food's been drugged or his drink, whatever. Yeah. And he just sort of has a nap while the doctor's talking to him uh, the rest of the time he does sort of come good in the end he realizes that you know the centaurans you know it's a bad idea and all that stuff and he frees the doctor but then yeah. it's just he's supposed to be someone that the doctor's known so the sort of both doctors big him up quite a lot don't they and yes. i don't really quite embrace like when we get to see him i don't really see this amazing figure that they've both described if you know what i mean doesn't seem like this really clever, important person that the doctors met over the years. Just seems a bit bland. Yeah, uh, I, I get the yeah. So 
um, the doctor says a couple of times, doesn't he, that he's responsible for whatever mm. scientific breakthrough, whatever. But yeah, he just seems he seems a bit more like a sort of an events coordinator <laughs> yeah. type of character rather than a, a scientist. You know, like he's you know he's out on the social scene and <laughs> and he's doing more for sort of PR for science yeah, yeah. rather so, than uh, the actual science. That's what the, the yeah the heavy stuff. Yeah, so he's he's all right. He's, as I say, he doesn't stand out as being particularly good or bad. He's just kind of there, isn't he? And yeah. I think, if anything, the most interesting thing about him is his look <laughs> that they've given him, which uh, he carries off very well. Um, just before we move on, I must just quickly talk about Jacqueline Pierce, though, as, as Jacini, because, you know, being a big Blake 7 fan, to have her in Doctor Who was quite exciting uh, for me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> But unfortunately... And it really pains me to say this because oh, I no. love Jacqueline Pierce, yeah. but she's just a watered down. It's just a watered down performance of Servalan from Blake Seven. She's, I don't know. It's just she's again, not particularly good or bad, but she's certainly not. I mean, in Blake Seven, she is such a driving force, and you just her performance is amazing in Blake Seven. So I just can't see much of that in in this and i guess she's trying to do something different obviously she doesn't want to play the same character but she kind of is playing the same character just not as well and it just so for me it's just very disappointing because ah i mean yeah just to have her in this and then you've got paul darrow in um time lash so two massive characters from blake seven appearing in two dot two episodes back to back it should have been amazing as a fan but um yeah, they're both not, they just don't work in either episode, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I know you haven't really seen much Blake Seven, so you probably haven't got all that baggage. You haven't got all those high expectations. So from your point of view, how did you find her performance as Chassini? Uh, Chassini, yeah. I mean, from, well, my point of view is, uh, well, it, it wasn't a memorable performance, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. one of those kind of standout, well, this is going to be, you know, the thing that I took away from that episode was Jacqueline Pierce's performance. It certainly wasn't that. I didn't think mm. she was terrible. But, yeah, just a wee bit on the bland side, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Maybe I'm being unfair because I'm comparing her to, you know, her performance to Serverland, and perhaps I shouldn't do that. But, unfortunately, I've got that baggage in me. And it's just, yeah, I just know that she can be so much better. It's a bit frustrating. I'm trying to think of an example for you, but it's like when you see an actor you really like in something and you know that they can be great and you're thinking she should be commanding this performance. She should yeah, be yeah. electrifying on screen and you're watching it and you're thinking it's not as if she's, it's like she's holding back or almost as if she's not really giving a role or she doesn't want to be there or something. I don't know, but she's certainly not as good as I'd like her to be in it. Um, I have to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the bit where she's licking the blood, off the floor is pretty gross um and she could have played up the andrew andrewgum thing a bit more i mean when she turns into the thing at the end it's uh quite funny seeing her with those big old eyebrows and stuff so yeah yeah a little bit um i love jacqueline pierce but a little bit disappointing for me uh her performance in this yeah i I just feel she's perhaps holding back in terms of trying not to be too much like serverland because the parts are very similar so maybe she's just trying to hold back a little bit um, could be why, but yeah, mm. but no, yeah, just a bit disappointing. I read you. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then anything else you want to mention? Um, we pretty much spoke about everyone really just to, uh, yeah. I mean, Pat, when he's an Andrew is quite funny. 
It's quite nice, a little performance. Yes. Uh, who else? I like Fraser in it. I really like Fraser in it. I thought he gives a really good performance. He does, actually. Yeah. I, I, if anything, I think he, him and Colin yes. are the best yeah. um, Best in it. I really like them together. But I thought Jamie was good. Uh, Fraser was good as Jamie. I thought Colin was good mm. as the Doctor. Very strong. I thought Pat was good when he was not asleep in the episode. <laughs> and I thought Nicola was bland. Was bland. So, yeah. But yeah, but Fraser, Pat, Colin, very good in it for me. Okay. Uh, right, let's move on to scores then, buddy. Let's do it. I think it's you to go first. Yeah, okay. I was waiting for you to play in a little bit of... Uh, who is the composer on this? Is it Roger Lim? No, uh, it's Peter Howell. Um, but no. Uh, scores, well... Six out of ten, I'm going to go. Six? I had yeah. written 5.5, um, but I feel it maybe isn't quite that bad. So it's six out of ten. I'm going to give it a 5.5. I'm going to take your score. Are you? Oh, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, yes, it could have been so much better, as the, as is the case with a lot of, um, when I say a lot, with a few classics that we review where they're not terrible, but they just have that potential to be really good, but they just, it just misses the mark. There's just a few things that it just doesn't yeah, get going. Had a with. lot of potential, this, a lot. It did, indeed. Mm. What did our listeners think? Uh, let's kick off with an audio review. This is Alex Kingdom. Hello, going on from the Glue Box Podcast. How you guys doing today? Uh, it's the two doctors. And, uh, well, this is a great story, obviously. It's the last time Patrick made an appearance in Who. So it is very uh, a difficult story for you to watch in some ways because Pat Charlton is my favourite uh, classic Doctor, but is also joined by the wacky, colourful sixth Doctor in Colin Baker. And let me tell you what, I, I love this story for many reasons. One of them is Jamie O'Connor and uh, uh, Colin back, but also I do like the Santaran plot in this one. I do feel like it's the weaker side of the story because the nostalgia's there of all the... Uh, the Doctor's been together again, and also Jamie being back. But um, I feel like there's a nice balance in the story. I do feel like there, it does it does drop points a little bit when um, the the monster um, transforms Second Doctor. I know it's a wacky and fun, but just to be kind of dropped it down a little bit. Didn't really enjoy it that much. But also, like uh, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in all time who is the snap scene. I thought I think that's hilarious. Um, but other than that, the two doctors are great. Um, I just realised I'm back for two weeks, and I have to give a story a nine out of ten. Wow, two weeks in a row. What am I doing? Am I okay? Am I broken? I hope not. Also, uh, Adam, I have moved to Hawaii. In fact, no, I haven't. I'm still in England. It's raining right now. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> nine out of ten. Nine out of ten from Alex. Wow, likes that one. Mm. let's jump over to uh, we had one tweet in actually from uh, somebody called South Park 333 Gaming oh yeah I know <laughs> yeah. South Park yeah he just says my favourite Doctor Who story really yeah ever 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 well, I'm not sure ever ever but yeah <laughs> ever at least <laughs> um, over on Facebook Charlie Turner says uh, hey guys Gary how was experience any word of relocation uh, it was great and no there is no word for that yet if that is indeed coming at all. Uh, he says, right, um, two doctors. Remember how I said that the Centauran experiment was the weakest Centauran story I've ever seen? Well, this one is the new weakest link. Hmm. 
Goodbye, Colin Nicola Patrick, even though I think he was a bit wasted here for his last appearance. And Fraser are all good. However, the story drags for me, but it's okay. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Okay, same as me. Yeah, Miles McKenzie. Uh, hope you enjoyed the experience, Gary. I did. Thank you very much, Miles. Uh, this story didn't appeal to me much. I felt Trouton didn't have much to do at the start, but it did get better. Like this entire on design and having Jamie alongside Six was awesome. Uh, something I need to do in New Who. Cough. Carol Ann Ford return for an episode. Cough. Mm. Uh, overall, 5.5. Okay. Uh, Connor McHale says, despite the problems with the Sixth Doctor's TV run, this one stands out for me. I love the story and is my favourite Sixth Doctor story. Uh, it's also one of the reasons why Colin is my fave Doctor. The DVD is also the only item in my collection signed by Colin. Mm. Very good. He gives it a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's do another audio review. This is from Who Addicts Mac Rowney. Hey there, Gary Adam. I hope you two are well. Now, The Two Doctors is a story I've only ever seen the once, and there's kind of a reason for that. I watched it originally because I wanted to collect all the multi-Doctor stories, and of course it had the return of my favourite classic Doctor being Patrick Troughton, and I was really looking forward to seeing him back in this. I really was looking forward to seeing how he was with the Sixth Doctor, and to be honest, they were good together. I really enjoyed their chemistry, but... It pains me to say that I think this was one comeback too many. I do like the dark, gritty side that they touch upon um, in many of the Sixth Doctor stories, and I also think the Suntarans are pretty good in this too. But the one thing that, that takes me out of the story is the fact that Pat Troughton's in a grey wig, Jamie McCrimmon has aged a bit, and as awesome as it really is to see them back, I just couldn't fully get invested in the story because it just didn't feel right. I think it was one comeback too many for, for the second Doctor, and although Troughton gave a good performance, I don't think they quite got the best out of him, um, and I don't think he was in it enough, and I kind of came out of the story a little bit underwhelmed by his involvement. So, for me, it's a shame. It really is a shame, because it really could have been an incredible um, multi-Doctor story. Instead of being good and okay, it could have been great, but unfortunately it wasn't. So I'm just going to give it a middle-of-the-road 5 out of 10. 5. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Matt. Yes. Thank you very much, buddy. Rowney. Uh, Sammy Satine says, so the second Doctor and Jamie arrive on a space station to visit the story as the Time Lords want the experiment stopped. So they sent the second Doctor unofficially to handle the problem. Uh, unfortunately, two kids, uh, sorry, unfortunately, two gets kidnapped by the Centaurans who want his symbiotic nuclei mm -hmm. uh, to operate the TARDIS. Meanwhile, Six is fishing with a very bored and topless Perry. <laughs> when suddenly Six suffers an attack while in the TARDIS prompting his arrival <laughs> there's an image <laughs> uh, can we uh, can he save his former self uh, I must say it's lovely to see Two and Jamie again must have a real threat uh, must have been a real threat when this aired to see them after so long uh, sorry a real threat what am I saying must have been a real treat when this yeah. aired to see them after so long Six and Perry get along okay uh, that chief bloke is creepy anyway isn't a bad story. Robert, Robert Holmes does a decent job. Seven out of ten. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, Lewis Palmer. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, you, you were thinking about that image, weren't you? Yes. Six Doctor fishing with a topless berry. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Couldn't read the comment, yeah. Uh, Lewis Palmer says, I love the two Doctors. It's uh, one that I find myself watching a lot. Uh, in that respect, it's probably my favourite Colin story. Uh, I love the music, for one. It's uh, appropriately mad in some scenes. Troughton is clearly having a whale of a time, especially when playing the Andrigam, which I find so funny. Uh, mm. I love the location work. Um, 
Uh, it's a shame we don't see the two Doctors together much, but when we do, it's a real treat. Overall, I love the madness of it, and I can watch it again and again. Nine out of ten. No, another high score. Another wow. nine, yeah. Uh, Mr. Nick Gill says, well, Pat is my absolute favourite Doctor, so anything with him is, is worth a watch. Uh, but Pat aside, I find the story to be a little lumbering, relying too much on set-piece location shots and old and an old enemy to push it along. And despite mm. everything it has going for it, the execution is poor, in my opinion. Uh, but Troughton's in it, so it's not all bad news. Yeah, thank you, Nick. I agree. Yes. Uh, Mark Atkinson, it's a shame that uh, so much of this doesn't really work. It's gaudy and pantomimish, but it has its moments here and there. Great to see the two Doctors together, but how it doesn't quite live up to the sum of its parts. Mm. Seven out of ten for effort. Cheers, Mark. Um, let's do our final audio review. This is Owen Daly. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope we're both well and enjoying the show this week. So are the two Doctors, this classic. I'm a massive fan of the Colin Baker era. He's my second favourite Doctor. So, of course, this one is high up on my like favourite episodes. It is, a fant- it is a joy to see the sixth Doctor alongside Jamie McCrimmon again. And I really want to get City of the Spires, where Colin Baker meets um, Fraser Hines once more on audio. And it's also an added joy to see Patrick Troughton back. Yes, he may look a little bit grey, but he's still fantastic. But I've got one small complaint about them. Colin Baker and Patrick Trouton barely have any interactions together. Now, I know this does help the plot move forward a lot more, but it would have been really nice to see Colin and Pat rub off each other because we only really saw them in the last 10 minutes and then they parted ways. So that's one of the major flaws in the story for me. But I think Robert Holmes did craft a fantastic script that did keep me in for the whole two hours. Jacqueline Pierce is great to see in this one now, knowing she's Cardinal Lalistra in the War Doctor series. And it's also great characters like Shock Eye because I think he's very humorous and works well in the story. Nicola Bryant, I think, does get a little bit side-sided um, in the story, but who cares? I think Jamie McCrimmon deserves to take centre stage of Companions. And the Sontarans, yeah, they're, again, they're a little bit too tall, but I still think they serve their purpose, and they get a grisly end at the end, which is really good. Um, but, yeah, that's all I've got to say about this one, but one thing before I go, Mondasian Cybermen, Mondasian so I am so hyped. Could you just make this podcast into Mondasian Cybermen podcast? Oh, my God. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all next week. Bye. Thank you, Owen. Cheers, Owen, and thank you for reminding me about the Big Finish audios because I was going to mention them earlier, then completely forgot because um, I haven't got them. I don't think you have either, have you, Gary? There's a there's a couple of stories with um, the Sixth Doctor and Jamie in the monthly range. Have you got those? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. I no, nor have I. Yeah. And I would like them. Like yeah. to know if they're any good. If anybody listening knows, yeah. Yes, that would be good. Actually, I might have to pick them up. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, right. Uh, let's move on a little bit. Last few here. George Coppin. I really like this one. Need to rewatch it again soon. Love the sixth and second Doctor and the way they bounce off each other. Sontarans are as good as ever. 7.5. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron Ball says an underrated gem, I'd say. Uh, maybe I love it for Trout and as he's my favourite, but it is a nice story. Colin is great and Perry is interesting, and uh, but the pacing is a tad slow. Apart from that, an underrated gem. 7 out of 10. Okay, cheers, Aaron. And lastly, Joseph Howarth says, it was the greatest story I've ever... No, it wasn't. It was crap. I didn't <laughs> like it. Uh, now, I know there are some people who have said they liked it, and I say, good on you if you liked it, but for me, this story just didn't work out. Nothing really happens apart from Shockeye eating a rat and stuff that <laughs> happens at the end of part three in the story. There's not a whole lot going on. When the story doesn't have the characters talking endlessly in a dungeon or a grassy field, it's wandering around aimlessly because, well, just because it can. Uh, the plot is contrived all over the place and Tarwins look stupid and serve absolutely no purpose. Uh, even when a rocket scientist could figure that out, she's betraying him in the first place. 
Uh, Shock Eye looks and sounds like a pervy genie from a cheap Aladdin <laughs> panto. Dastari looks like brains from Thunderbirds. And the whole idea of the rest of the plot being set in Savelle is pointless, seeing as the setting only serves as a beautiful backdrop and it only contributes to the plot at the very end. The best bits were definitely from the second Doctor and Jamie because they did have quite a funny uh, moment in the story. And for what it's worth, uh, they did at least took, uh, took advantage of the Spanish scenery while they were filming there. Otherwise, I don't recommend this story in Colin's era, at least in my opinion. If you like the story, that's okay, but I wished it could have been better. 4.5. Thank you, lady. <laughs> he does look like Brains. Oh, no, his Brains, no. That's not Brains, is it? No, Brains is the guy who I'm thinking of Parker, sorry, Parker. Parker. Yeah. Who's, which one's Brains? Brains, oh, he's got mind. the square not. glasses as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything on the Geek's Handbag page? Oh, yes, the, the defunct Geek's Handbag. Um, yes, I did get a few. So uh, Matthew Rossi says, um, I have a lot of love for the two Doctors. It was the first Colin story I watched. A decent script elevated to high heights by the excellent filming locations and Pat's performance. Yeah. Pat is always good. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Green says uh, she really likes this episode. Both Colin and Pat are on form and work well together. Good script too, says Jackie. Dean Jones, who you met at the experience, says the weakest of the multi-doctor stories, but decent enough. Colin and Patrick are great. Some really nice location work. And whilst not all of the characters themselves aren't the strongest, the performances are pretty solid for the most part. It does have pacing issues. Nice to see the Sontarans, but they are underused. And I wish we saw more of the second and sixth doctor together. Not the best, says Dean, but a decent watch. He gives it 6.5 out of 10. Uh James Birmingham says, bloody brilliant. The Spain setting works fantastically. Definitely a lot different than conventional London, which brings a whole new feel to the story, including the brilliant soundtrack. Very true. Mm -hmm. Troughton and Fraser are 100% on point and felt like they never stepped out of the roles. The banter between two and six fits the characters perfectly. Doesn't get old throughout. Sontarans look great. The fact they're more on the side of villain is different, yet quite refreshing, making Chassini and Distari memorable. But the best part of this episode is, of course, Shockeye. All praise Shockeye, <laughs> he says. Here's an image of Shockeye riding Azabi amongst the destruction of the Time Lords and Daleks during the final days of Time War. James gives it 9 out of 10, and he has posted a extraordinary picture on the Geek's Handbook Facebook page if you want to see it. Um, Zabi, wow. Patrick Sherwood says, I don't like this story. It's the worst story in the classic era of Doctor <laughs> Who. I think it's not the best. I do not like it. And he gives the story 4.5 out of 10. Ooh. The worst story. Mark Daniel Mooney says, underrated story with Pat and Colin on great form and fun bad guys, he says. <laughs> Steve Gallagher, this is a great story. Pat and Colin together are brilliant. Yes, they are, Stan, but we needed more of it. Um, and finally, Adam Time Lord Fishwick says, It's a good story. I know it's Colin's favourite. Troughton is brilliant as always, and I wasn't surprised that Fraser Hines will also return because I know he will do anything with Troughton. Uh, and he likes the chemistry with the sixth Doctor and the second Doctor. I think Perry is showing... A bit of a body off, laugh out loud, he says, a bit. Um, and the Sontarans are decent in it, but I would admit it's on the weakest stories of multi-doctor stories. So all in all, he gives the two doctors a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. So what do we have? We have three doctors, five, five doctors, doctors, two doctors, and of course, Day of the Doctors. Day of the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have I missed any there? Is it the weakest? Probably. 
Possibly. Yeah, we haven't reviewed the few, three Doctors the three. yet, have we? No, not the yet. Few, the few Doctors. <laughs> a few of them. Yeah, we haven't, re- we haven't reviewed the three Doctors yet, so I'll save my thoughts for that one. But yeah, <laughs> certainly not as good as the five Doctors. Oh, absolutely not. Dun, 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 dun. I love that thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's the two Doctors. Thank you very much for your thoughts on that. Um, next week, we are revisiting the ninth Doctor to yeah. conclude our two parts. So what is it next week, buddy? So yes, back to the ninth Doctor. Looking forward to this to wrap up that story. So uh, yeah, Doctor dances next week. Uh, the world doesn't end because the Doctor dances. Or does it? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> uh, yes, so look out for the Facebook post for that. I can't wait to review that one and finish off yeah. that story. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, and I think we're going to do there for 132. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. For sticking with us all the way through <laughs> 132. Uh, going through some news and merch. Uh, let us know about the books, if you guys are going to pre-order the books. Um, interesting to see if you guys are Doctor Who bookworms. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam and I claim to be, uh, but our books just sort of decorate the shelf. They do. Although, actually, no, we do read... Actually, no, we do read quite a few Who books, but I would say that there's there's also a small number that end up on the shelf unread. Definitely. That's just the way of the world. It's the balance. The universe balances things out. While we're not reading those books, we're doing something else Who. Something, yeah, important. Yes, yeah, something Somewhere worthwhile. else the tea is getting cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for, um, for sending in your thoughts and reviews for The Two Doctors. Um, up and down, I would say. We had quite a few nines in, so people loving it, but also a few middle-of-the-road fives and sixes. Yeah. So, a bit inconsistent, that one, but certainly some love there for The Two Doctors. Next week, as Adam said, The Doctor Dances. So get your reviews in for that one. Just look out for the tweet and the Facebook post. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Mm. Head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous episodes on there. Plus, you can also link off to the social stuffs and give us a like and a follow and some love on those. That'd be good. You can also link off to iTunes. Uh, so if you want to make sure that the... Uh, every every Friday's episode is delivered neatly into your iTunes. Just give us a subscribe. And if you're an iTunes listener, uh, a rating and a review would be awesome as well. That really helps. Yeah. Check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Just do a search for The Geek's Handbag on YouTube and Facebook. Loads and loads of good stuff there. Some awesome videos. Uh, it'll be uh, the, probably the best thing that you'll do today no, after listening cool. to this. Very kind. <laughs> yes, the Geek's Handbag. Uh, right, so looking forward to the Doctor Dances next week. Yeah, uh, definitely. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh... Uh...